Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Well, believe it or not, this is episode 20 of the Mike and Mo Show. Yeah, that's right, 20, the big 2-0. Who would have thought we would have gotten here? I mean... I did all the entire time, so great job, Mo. Other than that, welcome, one and all. We are less than 24 hours away from the start of the NBA free agency spending palooza, call it what you will. But instead of that, Mo has a pretty cool name for it. He's going to call it the Mo Money, Mo Buckets episode, episode 20. So, Mo, welcome as always, and um, why don't you give us a little rundown on what we're going to focus on here and today. Well, as Mike said, this is the Mo Money, Mo Buckets episode because obviously we're going to discuss a lot of money. We're going to discuss free agents and where they're going. Mike will probably get into how much each player is making. I know everyone is freaking out about that, and I will get into that in just a second. But after free agency, we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys taking a lot of L's, literally and figuratively. We're also going to talk about MLB managers on the hot seat, and we'll end off with some positivity and that's none other than with Tebow and his story on a, on a Delta Airlines airplane. But back to my opening rant about money. And again, this is the Mo Money, Mo Buckets episode. And a report came out less than 24 hours ago about Joachim Noah, Joachim Noah, signing with the Knicks for $18 million. And a lot of people, a lot of Knicks fans, I should say, were happy. But some were like, eh, is, is he really worth $18 million per year? Let me explain something to you people. And you people who never owned a home or never rented an apartment or went through a neighborhood and priced things may not understand this. But look at the market value, not the player value. Okay, let me take you back a step. The NBA signed a TV rights deal in 2014 worth $24 billion over nine years. That's billion with a B, okay? Mm -hmm. So that means... More money for the players, more money for these franchises and these organizations to sign players. 50, I believe 51% has to go to player salaries, okay? So that means the cap goes up during free agency July 1, or should I should say July 7th, when these contracts become official. So the cap goes from $70 million to roughly $94 million, which is a 34% increase. Now, stay with me for those who aren't math majors. If you take the reality that that Noah is really worth $13 million, but he's getting $18 million, that's a that's a 38% increase, which goes along with the general increase of the salary cap. So again, it, it's like you're paying $13 million, but with the market value going up, salary cap going up, he's going to make a couple extra more millions, which is reasonable. So please, do not freak out about the number. Look at the value of, of what the market is paying now, these players. Role players are going to get $10, 12000000 million as it is. So a guy like Joachim, Joachim Noah, who maybe passed his prime, not maybe, but he is past his prime, he's going to give the Knicks the intangibles. He's going to hustle. He's going to play defense. He's going he's gonna to be that glue guy in the locker room. So you're paying a couple extra dollars for that, a couple extra millions for that, which is fine in a Knicks locker room. He's not going to take shots away from Kristaps Porzingis or Carmelo Anthony. I mean, he only averaged, he averaged under five points a game last year. But again, he's more of a defender. He's, a, he's like a Robin Lopez with a mouth. <laughs> so you get that you get that for about $18 million. Not such a bad deal. Just to put this in, in perspective, 10-year vets can sign a max deal for $30.8 million. Only Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant have ever earned $30 million in a season. 
So think about that right now. There are going to be Max Dill players signing for as much as Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Do they have the same player value as Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant? Of course not. Don't be silly. But again, this is the market value. This is what players are getting paid now. And as 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 time goes on, 2017, it's going to go up even more. It's probably, obviously, it's going to go over $100 million in the cap space. And teams can actually go over the cap with the soft cap and be taxed with the luxury tax, and that's a whole different story. But again, do not look at the money, the dollar figure. Do not look at the player value. Look at what the market is paying. And right now, Joe Kimnoa is worth all $18 million right now at this moment. I, I think that the, the thing that the Knicks fans are getting caught up in is that for whatever reason they, that they don't feel Joe Kim Noah is worth it is because they actually think that the Knicks have a chance of still getting Kevin Durant. So, and obviously by signing a guy like Joe Kim, he's going to eat up a lot of that 30 million that, you know, is, is left uh, for, for this year. But we need to get through to all the Knicks fans and, you know, that's just not going to happen. We're not going to get Kevin Durant. So that ship is sailed. So, Let's try to fill the other holes that are very apparent in the lineup and center being one of those, uh, shooting guard being the other. Let me explain two things, Knicks fan, okay? Number one, the Knicks were never really in the deal for Kevin Durant. Yeah. I mean, he was hanging out with Carmelo Anthony. They had a good talk. But Kevin Durant still hasn't officially, still didn't officially, you know, schedule a meeting with the Knicks. So obviously he wasn't wooed to the extent where he said, yeah, I got to join the Knicks. And we'll talk about it later, but the Thunder are actually doing something. They're actually trying to acquire a player during free agency that should make Kevin Durant think twice, three times about leaving OKC. Because OKC is going all in trying to make sure Kevin Durant is happy with that roster. And again, we'll discuss that a little later. But back to a life situation. I live in, on the borderline of Bedford-Stuyvesant in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Four years ago, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, you can get an apartment, a one-bedroom over there for maybe, I would say, a 1000 maybe under $1,000 a month. Now, if you go to Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and you want to rent out an apartment there, you're paying at least average minimum, maybe. Okay, minimum to average fifteen to $2,000 for a one-bedroom. That is a crazy jump. And again, that's the market. Once a person or a family comes in and they're willing to pay X amount of dollars for an apartment or a place or a team is willing to pay X amount of dollars for a player, that market is going to go up. So then other people are going to say, well, you know, I guess I got to pay more because this is what the market value is right now. Again, where I live four years ago, not a high priced area. Now it's the hot spot in Brooklyn. It's where the hipsters go. It's where people from Ohio move from to come to <laughs> Brooklyn. They want a nice place in Brooklyn. They go straight to Williamsburg and they play crazy amount of dollars for it. And people come back who lived in Williamsburg 10 years ago, and they say, what happened? What happened to my block? I used to pay 900 for this one bedroom. Why is it 1800 Well, that's the market value now. That's what people are paying. That's what people are willing to pay to live there. So you have to live with that dollar amount. And the same thing is going on with the NBA. Right now, Joe Kim Noah, he's borderline Williamsburg. I mean, he's not top-notch Williamsburg. He's not Bedford Avenue. But he's up there, and you're going to have to pay 18 maybe $20 million to get him. And the Knicks reportedly are going to pay $18 million, which I say is a fair price. It would, it would appear so on paper, especially when you compare it to the likes of, let's say, Dwight Howard and what he's going to expect when you think that he left $23 million on the table from Houston because he honestly feels that he could get more on the open market. Now, that's being debated as many people in the, in the NBA feel he can only get between 10 to $15 million a season, and we'll get into that in a little bit. 
But yeah, eighteen to us it seems like it's, it's a lot of money. Uh, but again, with the evidence you presented and the fact that there is this this floor to the salary cap that teams basically have to spend a certain amount of money, and it hasn't been dictated as of yet. Uh, it is, is going to be a percentage, which is kind of like the luxury tax in baseball, where if you don't hit a certain amount of money, that extra money that you have will be distributed uh, among the lowest uh, the lowest CD teams or the lowest uh, recorded uh, win-loss record in the NBA. So if you don't spend your money, you're going to get penalized. Uh, you might as well spend some money, make money on attendance and, you know, hot dogs and cotton candy and at least put some butts in the seats and, and put a winning product. And I think this is a great thing for the NBA because, you know, it's enough is enough with, with teams tanking and, you know, the parity level hasn't been there in the past couple of years. So, again, to go out and spend $18 million on a guy like Noah, last year would have been a lot. This year... It's not. And next year, 18 might look like 12, 13, because reportedly the cap may go up as high as 120, which is crazy. But again, it's good for the game because money is coming in. I'd rather these owners and these league officials get some kind of, they get the money behind the teams and they make the teams want to spend it and put a winning product, hopefully, on the court. Then, you know, people go and spend their hard-earned money to see a bunch of, you know, a bunch of guys that really don't excel at their at their jobs, but because there's so many teams in the NBA, they have a place to play. And that that doesn't do anything for anyone because it's not an entertaining factor. And that's again, this is what this is. It's entertainment. So there's money to be spent. You might as well show the fans that they're doing the right thing with their hard-earned cash and put a show on the floor. Mike Guys like Noah are making eighteen million, and we're sitting here on this radio show yapping about them. We're in the wrong profession. We need to roll a basketball. Out. Mike, I, you play the two guard. I, I play wish. the point guard. Yeah, well, Dude, Noah, we, he's just he's, he's, he's been blessed with uh, great hair and a six foot ten body. So you know, um, we all have our strengths. Uh, but uh, I just hope that the uh, New York Bulls, as it, it it looks like, is it being assembled? I hope that they can all stay healthy. And uh, again, Noah's only thirty one. There's there's still a lot of there should be a lot left in the tank. You know, obviously he wasn't happy with the role he was uh, playing in Chicago last year, although it seems like nobody was healthy under Fred Hoiberg. Uh, you know, he's a kid from New York. He grew up in New York. He gets to play with one of his best friends, Derek Rose. This is all going to make Carmelo Anthony happy. There should be no yapping from him as far as anything negative is concerned. And now you can just go on the court with a brand new coach and second-year second man, Christos Porzingis, and play to the fullest extent of their ability. And for me, as a fan, can't ask for anything more than that. Now, all they need is a two-guard, which we will get yes. into in the next session Next section with Open Mic. That's up next. Open Mic. Okay, so this is the first year that the Mike and Mo show is in existence that we get to talk about NBA free agency. And it's a very exciting time, even though the NBA season has come and gone. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts starting July 1st, 12 a.m. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. It's going to be good. So what me and Mo are going to do is we're going to present each player per position that is going to have uh, some kind of uh, game changing ability in the upcoming season, or at least a guy that has done something in the past. We're not going to talk about the, you know, the Demonte Mahdehunis in all the world and, and guys who, you know, are 12th men off the bench. We're going to talk about the guys that. Uh, have face value uh, we're also going to talk about where we potentially think they fit and maybe even how much money that they should command and then the cool thing is next week we'll talk about who got more right which will probably be me and then we'll also talk about how much just absurdly amount of money that we could have been off or on but with that being said let's start with the center 
the man in the middle, the position that many in the NBA ha- feel has become passe. And, and right now you have to look at the youngest guy at the possession of center that could be leaving the Miami Heat, and that obviously is Hassan Whiteside, and you know, there's been a lot of a lot of rumors of teams interested in him. Uh, the Lakers look like they want to throw a lot of cash at him. Uh, it looks like possibly, obviously, Miami wants to bring him back. Uh, Golden State might be interested because they're they're kind of upset with the Andrew Bogut uh, situation there and how we can't stay healthy. So, for me personally, I think I think that he's going to Dallas on a max deal. Mo, what do you think? Yeah, um, I don't know if you pulled a little switcheroo, but I took a quick <laughs> glance at the top of your list. Yep. And, uh, maybe you did. But I did. We'll put I might have. Here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I got Hassan Whiteside going to Dallas. I just got a, a source tink on my phone from the vertical saying that Whiteside is basically deciding between Dallas and Miami. And I think Dallas is a better spot for him because Mark Cuban takes good care of his players. And Hassan Whiteside did say he was worried about a sign-and-trade if he stayed in Miami. Mm, interesting. Okay, staying with the centers, obviously we said Al Horford. Uh, Al Horford, another guy that's going to uh, expect to command a max deal. Uh, a bit of an undersized center, but we do know that he plays a lot bigger than his body. Uh, I've got him staying in the East and getting a max deal with Boston. Oh, wow. Uh, that would be a good move for him, mm-hmm. but I actually have him going to the Thunder. Uh Royce of ESPN uh, reported that the Thunder are going to make a hard push for Al Hawford, which plays into trying to keep Kevin Durant in OKC. Yeah. Apparently, the Thunder try- would be open to clearing clearing the spots for, for this guy to come in and join the starting lineup. Obviously, they got rid of Serge Ibaka, which set them up for this, for this move, and it makes a lot of sense. And OKC would definitely be a favorite to win. He's, he would also reunite with his former college head coach, Billy Donovan. And this was a rumor, too. Boston was already interested in not only Horford, but yeah, Kevin Durant as well. So I guess if you can get Horford to come join you in OKC, uh, you get the best of both worlds if you're Kevin Durant. Absolutely. And we next we have Joe Kim Noah. We just spoke about him in the opening rant. Obviously, if you listen to, you know, to the opening rant, you'd know that I'm okay with Joe Kim Noah signing with the Knicks for $18 million. I think it happens, and he reunites with his buddy Derek Rose, who he stuck up for when Rose, fell, his body fell apart basically in Chicago. Now, but would you say how many years would you give Joe Kim every thirty-one? What what would you be? What would you be thinking is is optimal for his contract length? I would say two to three years. Ooh, would, is see, I don't think I don't think he'll sign for anything less than. I want to say I think he'd sign for four. He could at he could possibly sign for three, which I think would be better than four, uh, just because those injury concerns. But I I see four and seventy-five mil. But hey, and again, I seems like a lot. I'm sorry. I don't want. I don't want no. I don't want Noah at 35 years old dragging no. his kneecaps and his shoulder <laughs> up and down the court. I don't. I agree. Track I agree. The, the shorter, the shorter, the better. Uh, but I, I don't see him signing for anything less than three. But you know, I guess we'll see. Uh, staying in the East, again, uh, not a guy who was in the East last year, but Dwight Howard. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors of where he could go. Now it looks like Orlando is pretty much uh, out of the question because of the Serge Ibaka trade, and same for the Knicks. Uh, so I think that he goes to the Celtics, who we just spoke about, if for some reason that they can't pull Al Horford, uh, because Mo just came up with that information that the Thunder are trying to clear room. He goes to the Celtics, and he's gonna get. he wants to get paid, he's going to get paid. Five years, $100 million, and again, this is all contingent on the fact that Al Horford goes to OKC. 
I have him going back to his hometown in Atlanta with the Hawks. Al Harford moving on leaves an opening for Dwight Howard to get the ball and he'll in his touches, which he complained about when he was in Houston. Mm-hmm. The Atlanta Hawks have history, a recent history of winning. He can go to a, a decent team in the East where he can go to the playoffs and possibly make a mark. Teague left. That team is in transition. So he can probably take his hometown team to the playoffs and become a hometown hero there because they're not going to start Tiago Splitter at center next year. Do you think that there's any chance that Howard goes to Golden State? No, no chance. I don't think they want that type of personality messing up or messing with their chemistry in Golden State. Yeah, that's that's more than fair. Absolutely. But but speaking of chemistry, if anyone knows me, um, the Lakers, their chemistry is pretty much a work in progress. I didn't have Whiteside going to the Lakers because he said he wanted a stable organization, but I do have Bismack Biombo going to the Lakers. Ooh. I know it's not a huge signing, but Biombo rhymes with Matumbo, and the Lakers can get themselves a guy who can protect the rim because uh, Hibbert is probably out of there. All types of purposes, you're going to have Biombo and then Julius Randle. I know it's not the sexy combination, but the Lakers need to get someone because if they get no one, it's going to look bad for their franchise. Biombo's an undersized center. Again, he can protect the rim. That's just about it. This guy scares the crap out of me because he is a former sixth overall pick to the once upon a time Charlotte Bobcats, and he was miserable for the first, I don't know, three, four seasons in the NBA. And so he had one really, really good playoff series, and now he's going to get paid handsomely. I I see him going to Houston, uh, filling in for, for Dwight Howard, and I think he's going to get four years and $80 million, which is insane. And when you look at that as compared to a Joe Kim Noah, if you're a Knicks fan, you got to wipe the sweat off your brow and say, whew, we dodged a bullet because Biombo's undersized, and he we just don't know if he can do what he did for, for an 82-game schedule. I don't like it. I, I don't like it either, but... Biombo is, is basically Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and if you want him, you're going to have to pay X amount of dollars for him. But uh, stay, well, moving back east, if, if Biombo really does go to the Lakers, we're moving back east with Andre Drummond. He uh, he could be the centerpiece for the Pistons for the long term. They can, continue, they can continue to hold him, and I think that's what happens. I don't see the Pistons moving on from him. There's no reason to. They got rid of Greg Monroe, who wasn't a rim protector last year, and you have Andre Drummond. Even though he can't hit a free throw, he's going to be your centerpiece. Yeah, he's restricted regardless. Uh, I think if anybody offers him anything anything north of you know $100 million, maybe they don't match it, but I, I see him staying in Detroit for quite a while. You know, uh, Festus Azili who, you know, was a guy that the Golden State did not lean very much on in the finals, especially, which was surprising to a certain extent when Bogut go, went down with that injury. Um, I personally think think he took it a little personally, and I think he bolts Golden State and goes to a team that really, really needs somebody defensively in the middle in the Portland Trailblazers, who have the most amount of cap space, I believe, available to anyone this summer. Four years, uh, $65 million for a guy who still has a lot to prove. I think that that's more than enough money for him. Yeah, he can add on to the mediocre fours and fives they got out there in Portland. Uh, it won't make a huge difference. I think he stays with the Warriors because, as you mentioned earlier, the, the team is very frustrated with Andrew Bogut and his injury history. And who else are they going to bring in if not Festus Azili? 
True, true. Um, I, I don't know. I just think I don't think he's enough. I don't think he. I don't, I don't think he's enough of a, an impact center. And I, you can tell me they don't need it, but you saw that when Bogut went out, that there was a glaring hole in the middle. And Draymond Green can only play the five for so long. He's much more much more effective as a stretch four. But we'll leave that to Steve Kerr and company. Let's move over to power forwards, Mo. Who's uh, who? Do you got going first? Uh, we'll talk about Dirk Nowitzki. A lot of people freaked out when he opted out of his contract. I think it was just it's just a move to get more money. As I mentioned earlier, cap goes up, so he figures if I'm going to stay with Dallas, I just want a little bit more cash before I retire as one of the best players in franchise history. Well, yeah, I see him staying too, and he took he took a huge cap hit last year and we talked about it he only got eight million dollars for the season i think he's going to want to get paid i think it obviously will depend on the whole hassan whiteside deal if if hassan whiteside gets a max deal you got to see how much money's left but i can see him getting around three years and 55 million which is plenty good for you know a guy that sacrificed last year but again he's older he's getting there up there in age so this this, for all intents and purposes this should be his last contract you know in, in the nba i'm gonna roll it back to al jefferson and al jefferson you know, for his for his record, he had a down season last year with the Hornets, but mm-hmm. he said he's open to re-signing with the team and coming off the bench, which looks like it could happen for them. And the Hornets have no reason to let him go because he does add on to your team in the paint, and I think he re-signs with, with Charlotte. Well, how much money is too much money for Al Jefferson, though? Uh, anything over $15 million. Anything over 14 maybe $13 million. Because <laughs> if he comes off the bench, you don't yeah. want to pay him amount of dollars no that would be i'd rather give the money to timothy mozgov to come off the bench and hope he catches lightning in a bottle for like eight million a year timothy mozgov who's been connected to the new york knicks which uh, i hope they say no to unless it's for a very team-friendly deal yeah we'll see. we're talking like three million a year for like three years then you know i'd be okay with it the guy was a corpse on the cavaliers bench <laughs> wait because so he's pale because he's pale is that why no, because he barely lifted his butt off the bench. That's why yeah. the Cavaliers really need him. It's hard to believe because the year before when they got him from Denver, he played really well and he was pretty pretty important piece to go into making that finals run. So I don't know what happened from one year to the next. Well, well there you go. Unless you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, who obviously covered covet tall players, you're not going to get any playing time in NBA that where centers have become past tense, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. But uh, speaking of his past tense, Pau Gasol's glory years are behind him, but mm-hmm. I think he signs with the Spurs. He did mention he, he'd like to win. The Bulls obviously weren't going to do that next year. The Spurs love their old players who can still give you 20 to 25 minutes per game and chip in. I think Pau Gasol is a great fit with the Spurs. Yeah, we agree on uh, Paul. I'm freezing my sperm for $10,000 Gasol. Uh, yeah. I, think, uh, I, think he's, I think he goes to San Antonio, signs a three-year deal gets paid more than he should and uh he's a typical spur i mean it's a it's a good signing even though it looks like tim duncan's gonna come back he did option he did uh, exercise his option for five million dollars next season so even if he even if he starts the game t- duncan and plays 12 minutes a night and you let gasol do the rest uh it just seems like a typical spur move so um, did you, did, you did you see the rumors about knicks fans saying that tim duncan should retire and become an assistant coach for the knicks I had to shake my head at that. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand the connection. How that, why that would even be plausible? What, it, what is it's he? An, it's an fans dreaming again. Oh, that's all well, I mean, I guess, yeah, anything's possible. But I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that him and uh, Jeff Hornacek were close, or you know, him and Phil Jackson have any kind of connection. I, I didn't know. But hey, 
you never know. I mean, anything's but, possible. Like adversaries, I would say, but yeah, you know. absolutely. All those years in the Western, yeah, for sure. All right, let's move to uh, probably the the hottest position of all, the most potential game changers, the small forward position, and you can't go any further than than Kevin Durant. I mean, he's number one on everybody's board. So, with all the rumors going on, where where does he go, and and does he go anywhere? He stays in OKC. Yeah. Let's not believe in all these smoke screens. Oh, he could go to Golden State. Oh, he's considering the Knicks. Oh, he's meeting with this team. He's meeting with the Celtics. Not going to happen. He's yeah. going to stay in OKC. OKC is trying their damnedest to keep him happy. They traded for Oladipo. They got a young draft pick. They got rid of Serge Ibaka. Now they have a hole there at Power Forward for Al Hofer, who I think is going to sign there and keep Kevin Durant pretty much happy in OKC. I like what I like what Adrian Wojnarowski said from the Vertical on Yahoo. He said that he he too believes that that Durant's going to stay as do I as do you. But according to him, he feels that uh, he's getting in front of these teams because he's going to take that two-year, one-year opt-out. And these other teams, even though he's got like six or seven different meetings set up, uh, they're just trying to get in front of him for the possibility of next year if Russell Westbrook is to leave uh, and and OKC is left with, you know, a, a barren crate, uh, Arbaca now being gone and a couple other moves that could potentially happen if they don't get Horford, that, yeah, if, if teams can get in front of him and at least make a pitch to, say, 2017-18, then... And I, I mean, I understand. I know he's never been a free agent before. Again, you want to enjoy the process. I'm all for it. Uh, it maybe it does seem like a little bit of a waste of time if you're eventually just going to re-sign with your, your old mates in OKC anyway. But hey, who am I to begrudge the guy? Uh, he's going to get a max deal for this year, $26 million, and he will most certainly opt out uh, after the season. Nick Wright had a very interesting theory. Fox Sports, Nick Wright was on Colin Cowherd yesterday. He had an interesting theory about what Kevin Durant should do. And he said Kevin Durant should tell the Golden State Warriors that I'm coming to Golden State. And that would trigger Golden State to clear out some space for him, obviously, because they would need to let Harrison Barnes go and maybe another part of their team go. And then he should pull a DeAndre Jordan and be like, oh, I changed my mind. I want to stay with OKC. <laughs> now, this is an underhanded move. I laughed hysterically when I heard it because it's brilliant. It's genius. Dirty. But he looked at it's Yeah, it's underhanded and yeah. dirty. But... He'll be looked at as the most untrustworthy star in the league if he did that. Of course, he doesn't have the lead on that he knew all along that he was going to change his mind. But, I mean, if he did that, that would weaken his his best, his toughest opponent and then strengthen his, his team because he would return with the parts, maybe have Al Hofford there, and then Golden State is without Harrison Barnes and maybe one other contributing part. So that's just something to think about. I don't think Kevin Durant does that because he's not the bad boy type, even though he tries to put that on. I don't think he's the type to do it. But, you know, the NBA does have a loophole, and DeAndre Jordan exposed it last year when he changed his mind in between that week period where, as we said, tomorrow, at start, starting at midnight, players can negotiate. And basically they'll say, oh, I'm interested. I'm probably going to sign here. But it's not official until the 7th, so they can't change their mind. Yeah, I remember when that happened last year with, with, uh, with DeAndre. I still don't necessarily agree that there should be a seven-day window. I think if, if you're allowed to technically tell a team you're going to sign with them at, at 12 o'clock this morning, that you should be able to put pen to paper. I mean, why why is it that I can't? I'm going to tell you I'm going to play for you, but I'm, I can't sign on the dotted line to July 7th. I don't I don't quite understand the thinking behind that, I, and, and it does. It leaves it leaves the the possibility that somebody pulls a, a U-turn. And, and screws up a franchise. I don't I don't understand how that's ethical or, or why the NBA would, would want a, that practice to still exist. I, 
I would say it's because the NBA wants to be relevant for that first week in July. We talk about the NFL dominating sports media throughout the whole year. You know, now everyone's interested in training camp. Oh, I can't wait for training camp in July. What? Back in the day when we were growing up, no one cared about training camp. No one cared about the NFL combine. But the NFL has put their events on TV and now people care. And the NBA is trying to do the same thing by extending their importance in the media and saying, hey, we got news that such and such player is interested in signing this team, but it's not official until this date. Now, it's a dangerous situation. It's a slippery slope because, as we just said, a player could say, yeah, I want to come here. And then tomorrow wake up and say, nah, I changed my mind. Yeah. Not a good thing for the NBA, but unless until something like that happens, they're not going to close that loophole. All right. Who's next? But we're going to move on. Actually, I'm going to move back to a stretch four that we may have missed. My apologies to the Ryan Anderson family. Oh, yes. Ryan Anderson is actually a free agent. I had him going to the Nets initially, but when I think about it more, I think he's a better fit for the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets? Ah, I don't... I don't see him there. I think he goes to Boston because he just looks like a Celtic. Uh, they they need a stretch for. I don't know if it's the green uniform or the leprechaun thing, but he just he looks like he would fit in perfect with that team. He he's what they need. Uh, the whole Jared Sullinger thing just it's not it's not getting the job done. So uh, as much as I would you know prefer to see him on a different team, I I could see him. I see him with Boston. I think he gets paid rather handsomely we're talking you know 65 mil maybe for four years uh those guys that can shoot that are over six foot ten or are in high demand today yeah speaking of uh sharpshooters chandler parsons also opted out of his contract with dallas mavericks and i think he comes back dirt comes back with them it was just a move to just make a little bit more money i think he could draw legitimate interest from the nets but i think ultimately he winds up in dallas See, I don't, I don't see him staying with Dallas. I think, I think my man Chandler, who's actually from the, the area of Orlando I live in, I think he's all about that, that mo money, mo buckets, mo dollars. Uh, you know, I, I, I can see him going to Orlando if they wanted to back up the truck for him. I don't think that's a great idea because of their current uh, situation with their roster and how they actually traded for Jody Meeks, uh, t- taking his six and a half million dollar contract and giving away a second round pick. Another boneheaded move. But uh, I see I see Chandler going going to Brooklyn, playing with those Nets that you just spoke about. Three years, 52 million. Uh, still a young guy. This does have a little bit of a knee issue. But uh, I think if you can get him at that 52 million mark and he plays a little bit of defense, uh, the Nets really could, they could afford to use him. Uh, they, they don't have a whole lot going on over there right now. Absolutely. I'm going to throw another uh, sharp U-turn at Mike. I just got a phone notice from Bleach Report saying that Carlos Boozer is looking to get back into the NBA for return. He says he's been working out hard. Does any team sign this guy? Yeah, the Knicks. Watch. Uh, no. I it, I mean, actually, wait a minute. Now, he could be good, come off the bench. He doesn't play much defense, but, you know, he could he could rebound and score in the paint. He knows, he, he he knows the triangle. Jump. I, you know, I wouldn't be mad at that if he's coming off the bench. Of course, it's not a huge sign, but I wouldn't mind because the Knicks need to fill, start filling out their bench. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have him than David West, who seems to be chasing a ring with all the wrong teams. So, I mean, you know, give me Carlos Boozer. I actually saw him in Los Angeles last year at a restaurant, and he is a beast. Like, this dude, his, his arms are bigger than my head. I mean, he's in great, great shape. Uh, super nice guy, but that's besides the point. So yeah, if you can get him on the veterans minimum contract, you know, million dollars, one point two. Yeah, what what the heck? I mean, he's he's familiar with the triangle. He knows Phil. Uh, you know, we gotta add some pieces to that bench. So I'm all for it. Uh, what about Nick Batum, who? I think Charlotte's crazy if they let go, but I personally see Nick Batum going to the, to Golden State. 
four years, seventy million dollars for for a defensive specialist. That would be so unfair if he went to Golden State. Because okay, if you have him going to Golden State, that means you have Harrison Barnes out there. Oh yeah, I see. I see Harrison Barnes. Where did I? Where do I have Harrison Barnes going? I. I mean, there was a rumor that he was going to go to Philly, which I think is crazy because of the whole Ben Simmons. Will he? Won't he? Be a small forward? And we've seen Harrison Barnes is not a stretch for because first of all, it's a little bit too thin, and his shot disappears. At, at the most important of, of times, uh, I, I, I have him down currently getting a $90 million deal from the Mavs, but of course that changes if they sign Hassan Whiteside to, to the big fat max deal. Um, Philly, well, I would, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if they sign uh, Harrison Barnes. They're probably going to give him a, a stupid amount of money, close to like, you know, $100 million, which is just absurd. But I do not see Harrison Barnes going back to Golden State. I don't think that they trust him after, after this finals run. I mean, I wouldn't trust him either, but the thing is, you got to weigh in team chemistry, and team chemistry plays a lot into decision-making, and I, I just don't see him leaving Golden State, especially for the 76ers. You go from the top to the very pits of the bottom. Yeah. I, I, don't, I just don't see that deal happening, but uh, we'll move on to probably the easiest decision on this list. LeBron James opted out. No big deal because he's going to stay with the Cavs. He already said that he doesn't see himself leaving the Cavs. They just won a championship. Why would he leave? He's going back to the Cavs. He's just going to make a little bit more money. Yeah, I read an article, the five places where LeBron's going to go, and I was just, what, what is the point of this article? Like, does anyone really think that LeBron is not going to stay with Cleveland? I mean, uh, there's no there's no way in the world that LeBron leaves. But, yes, he will sign another opt-out deal. He'll sign another two with a one because his salary can go up past $30 million next season. It's just smart money. I mean, these are the things that you do in today's NBA. I, I hate to to call people out like that but if you're making a lebron james should, should sign with x team for five reasons those those are for the hacks out there in the media <laughs> right these stupid articles he already said that he's staying with the Cavs. there's no way he's going anywhere but we'll move on to my favorite small forward in the world this. yep yes yeah F, the greatest small forward <laughs> and on the bridge of pool turner uh, where is he going i obviously wanted to go to the knicks nope. but i realistically speaking i think he goes to the pelicans the Pelicans. No one should go to the Pelicans because their name is the Pelicans. So first of all, it's the worst bird to ever be associated with. Secondly, I have him going to Miami. I think he fills in nicely that small forward position. I think uh, I see. I, we'll talk about Joe Johnson in a minute, but I have him going elsewhere. I think Evan gets uh, two years, thirty-two million, maybe maybe with an opt-out that he can continue to. If he continues to play well, he can continue to capitalize on that money. But uh, yeah, I think I think Miami would be a, would be a decent position for a guy who does a little bit of everything pretty well but no he will not be in the garden luckily i hope i hope he is but i think he's gonna take more money to go elsewhere phil doesn't have that type of money i mean they're giving out money you yeah. can also always test the luxury tax threshold but i don't think they do it with evan turner even though slight part of me hopes they does but uh we're gonna go on back to the hornets do they resign marvin williams or does he go elsewhere um, they should not resign Marvin Williams. I know that he had a decent year last year, but I don't think that I think there's better options out there. Although at this point, it looks like looks like the Hornets are going to lose quite a few people: Batum, Jeremy Lin, Marvin Williams. So they're going to have to re- restock the cupboard. But I, I think I think Chicago would be a good place for Marvin Williams to kind of to kind of fall into a two year deal, twenty eight million. Get in there, plays pretty good defense. You can use him at the three, use him at the four. Uh, I think he would be better utilized in the situation there, but. You know, there. I I still think that Charlotte will do everything in their power to bring him back because he did play well under Steve Clifford. 
You're right about that. Uh, back to Mike's hometown team, mm. Evan Don't Google Me 48. <laughs> Where does he go? Does he stay with the Magic? Does he move elsewhere? Well, he's a restricted free agent, so he's not going to have a ton of choices. Um, I think that the Magic are going to seriously overpay for a guy who finally averaged 14 points uh, a game. I think he stays with the Magic five-year, $80 million deal, which is absolutely way too much money for this guy who's a, still a question mark. Uh, Tobias Harris got four years and, and $64 million last year, so that would kind of be my, my baseline to start. But uh, if you know anything about Fournier, he, he, uh, he actually turned down a $13 million uh, extension last year with the Magic, so he's going to want to get paid, and I understand that. So, it's, But the Magic are in this, you know, uh, kind of dire straight now where they they're almost afraid to not re-sign a guy they showed that last year or, or you know they think that they, they think they're ready to make a run i guess by by do by trading for serge Ibaka. i mean really they're not but whatever rob hennigan's job is on the line so regardless of whoever comes out unless somebody throws a hundred million dollars at fournier that's the only way i see the magic backtracking uh, Fournier is basically Grand Street in Williamsburg right now. He's going to get, like you said, about $16 million, and I don't see a really big issue with it because nowadays the new phrase in the NBA is, oh, we need a 3 and D player, basically a player who can shoot threes and play defense in a, on the other end. Fournier has been put in that category plenty of times last year, and I think the Magic feel like they need to, to keep him and continue to try to win games with the, with the group that they have. Yeah, I mean his defense is getting better, but it's not it's not to it's not to the place where it needs to be to guard the best threes in the NBA. And that's the thing that worries me about a guy you're going to pay 16-17 million dollars a season to is for a guy who's still he's still getting better defensively, but it's not not fast enough. That that's my problem is that if these players play a little bit of defense and they're good at shooting threes, they're quickly to they're quick to label yeah. Fans are quickly to label these players, oh, they're 3 and D players. Yeah. That's like the new overused phrase, oh, he's a 3 and D player. And I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> he's a 3 player. He doesn't play as much defense. But, you know, it is what it is. But we're going to talk about a real 3 and D type player, Kent Bazemore. He's been rumored to be connected with the Knicks. No. Uh, apparently, the, the, uh, the salary may have been holed up between the Knicks and Bazemore because he's obviously looking for a good deal based on his good performance last year. I think he stays with the Hawks at the Knicks pay $18 million for Joe Kim Noah. I think he, he actually said he, he loves in Atlanta. He would like to stay there, and I think that's what happens. So I think Kent Bazemore is a better, younger Tony Allen. And with that being said, I think the Memphis Grizzlies should do everything they can to get Bazemore and slide him right into that three position. Uh, Golden State would love him at this point. But I, I think Bazemore tries to get as much money as he can. And, and I, I mean, I personally wouldn't give him more than like $33 million for two to three seasons. But, I mean, I can also see somebody coming out of pocket and giving him 40 to 45 which kind of seems a little crazy. But, again, uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. I mean, what would you give him if you, if you were a GM? If I was a GM, I would I would give him around $14 million Yeah. Only because he's, you know, he, he just came onto the scene last year. Who knows when he's going to be going forward. He yeah. does have some potential, but he did disappear in some parts. Mm-hmm. And I, he's, he's more of a glue roster player than a, a guy you would put in maybe your big three or something like that. But as you said, he's going to get paid handsomely. He's probably going to make about 15 to $16 million. I would stick to about 13 to 14 but we'll see what happens. I think he stays with the Hawks, as I mentioned earlier. Absolutely. All right, on to two guards. Um, there's a couple more two guards of note than there are actually point guards, but you got to start with DeMar DeRozan. And, you know, there's been plenty of uh, plenty of news possibly linking him to his hometown L.A. Lakers. I don't see it. 
I see him staying in Toronto. I think that run they made is just too much for him to leave. It's said that he's not even going to take any meetings uh, until he meets with Toronto first. So I got him getting a max deal with the Raps. Uh, what about you, Mo? Yeah, two things here. First of all, people, I should say people, the Knicks fans were saying, <laughs> yeah, we have a chance at DeMar DeRozan. We'd like DeMar DeRozan. I'm like, why? Yeah. Because the guy is a pure shooting guard. Doesn't play that much defense on the other end. None. He would probably compete for shots with Carmelo Anthony. You don't want a shooting guard that's going to take shots away from your best scorer. Yeah. You want a guy who, who can hit a three on occasion when needed and play some defense, and that is not DeMar DeRozan. Mm-mm. They had people had him connected to the Lakers, and as you said, he's not taking meetings with other teams until he talks to Toronto. I don't see Toronto letting go of one of their franchise best players. They have a good thing going in their backcourt with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, and they're not letting that go. He resigns in Toronto, which probably means Biombo, which rhymes with Matumbo, is out of there. As I said earlier, he goes to Lakers. Which rhymes- he goes to Lakers, not DeMar DeRozan. Which rhymes with Columbo, like the old 1980s detective, which means absolutely nothing. Moving on to, to a guy that seems to have everybody licking their chops, Jamal Crawford. So for a 36-year-old man who still plays really good offense, really good defense, and keeps winning six men of the year awards, um, there's, there's a ton of suitors. Uh, where do you think he fits in best? Come back to Madison Square Garden, Jamal Crawford. Sign him to a team-friendly deal. Obviously, he's at the tail end of his career, so he's not going to garner a lot of cash. Uh, he he did uh, have a tweet after D. Rose signed with, or was traded to the Knicks. He had a little emoji with the eyes, and he was like, oh, this, summer, this summer's going to be interesting or something to that extent. And he's expressed interest in coming back to New York. I take him as a six-man off the bench. He's a spot-up shooter. Not going to do much else, but the Knicks are going to need a spark off the bench. And Jamal Crawford fits that description. Yeah, I've taken for like two years, 16 mil. I think eight, eight, eight mil a year is a pretty good idea. I, I think he'll ultimately stay with the Clippers. He's got a really good situation there. Him and J.J. Redick at the two off and on. Uh, it seems to be working. The Magic are also interested. But uh, do you really want to go to the Magic and be, you know, the only guy coming off the bench? I don't know. Uh, I'd love him with the Knicks, but I, I ultimately see him staying with the Clippers just because it's been working, and him and Doc Rivers do have that, that great rapport. Um, going back to uh, my favorite player, the one and only Dion. Don't call me your waiters. Um, there's been rumors for a long time that he, I think he even posted himself in a Philly jersey on Twitter during the season, so that's interesting, and that's where I see him going. Uh, I don't. He is, a, he is a restricted free agent. There, of course, OKC can match just about anything that comes his way. But now that you've got Oladipo from the Magic, I just don't... It, he's not going to want to come off the bench is basically what it's coming down to. He's going to want to play. And the Sixers need it too. I mean, just flat out, they need a guy that can shoot, that can score, you know, somewhat consistently. Um, I don't know how much money he's going to want. Personally, I wouldn't give him any more than like 11 a year, which probably is not enough if you're Deion Waiters. But, you know, a two-year with an opt-out to Philly... I think it works. He goes home, you know, plays where he's from. Uh, you know, maybe he can give that team a spark. They can win like 10 games next year. <laughs> 10 games. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, cold. I think he goes. I'm with you. I think he goes to the Sixers. But there's one but and a big, huge but here. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, um, <laughs> serious situation, though. His 21-year-old brother was killed in South Philly. And the organization is worried about him coming back to his hometown where things aren't so smooth there. He had some childhood friends and I believe our family members who were also killed in the area. So Philly likes Dion Waiters coming home to play for that team. They need a shooter, but they're worried about what could happen off the court when he's around familiar surroundings in Philadelphia. It could be a real 
dangerous situation. Yeah. The Sacramento Kings are also interested in Deion Waiters. I see that as a very uh, strong alternative, a one A alternative to the 76ers. The, the Kings they need a, they they need a wing score. They do have Rudy Gay. Ben McLemore hasn't panned out the way they thought, and it's possible they can go to the to the Kings if the Sixers worry for his safety. So any team with knuckleheads would like to also add Deion Waiters into the fold. It's can you imagine Deion Waiters and, and Jaleel Okafor out on the town in in downtown Philly? Because I can't. Yeah, that that's super scary. I would hope that if he does sign with Philly, that they give him you know security, strong security. I know he's probably going to say, "I'm good out here with yeah. my family, my friends," but you you need some maybe some armed guards, maybe some six foot eight, three hundred pound dudes <laughs> with you because Philly could be a rough city. I've been to Philly, and there's nothing nice about certain areas in in, in that town. And he's going to need some uh, some backup out there if he goes back home yeah. and we all know sometimes going back home is comfortable but there there's also danger there because certain people are going to be jealous of you you know you may have grown up with some people and now you got money you're rich people look at you as you know a come up they, they may try to rob you or whatever so it's an interesting situation but i do think he goes back to the 70s all right moving forward Dwayne wade county where where is where is Dwayne staying we're going uh, before I give you my input, I want to know what you think because uh, I think it's time that Dwayne, um, you know, tries tries to get Gabrielle Union another house because she don't have enough money. So uh, where's he going, Mo? Wade has enough endorsements that he can get Gabrielle Union a house, two cars, a vacation house, a golf course, whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. She's Gabrielle Union, but I think he signs with the Heat. I think it's just a money boy. He's he's threatening to say, okay, I'm fielding outside offers, but he ain't going nowhere. Yeah. He's staying in Miami with Pat Riley. There were rumors that he was possibly interested in Dallas, possibly interested in the Spurs. The only place he should be interested is beautiful, sunny Cleveland, Ohio, taking a team-friendly contract and playing with his dear friend, LeBron James. Um, I think he, like you said, he's got enough money. Uh, He should sign a two-year $30 $30 million deal to opt out after one. He can get paid again next year. And the Cavs, after they uh, after they win their second title in a row, they can go over to that luxury cap. I just think it would be perfect. I mean, if Dwayne Wade wants to win a title or at least get to uh, a conference final game again in his life, goes to Cleveland. And, and again, he would be a lot better than J.R. Smith or at least a little bit more consistent. And, you know, as far as Iman Shumpert is concerned, yeah, well, that ship has sailed. So, Dwayne... Go to Cleveland, become an Indians fan because they're doing big things as well, my man. I'm not dissing Cleveland, but you just said the beautiful city of Cleveland, Ohio. Did you just say that? <laughs> hey, I'm all about the Indians and the <laughs> Indians. You're being such a poser right now, Mike, because off the air, I'm sure he wouldn't say this, but shout out to all the people in Cleveland listening to our show. We appreciate you. But it's but not I'm beautiful? Sorry. Are you saying it's not beautiful? Because I just said it's beautiful, and then you basically backslapped me and said, well, even though it's not, I want to shout out to everybody in Cleveland. Stop it's, it. It's it's an attractive city. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, here we go again with the girl you used to know, but she's got a got a great personality and a butterface. So that's basically where you're going with this. No, I yeah. you know Cleveland is cool. You know if you want to get away, but I'm not get going away. there to win championships unless I'm LeBron James. Oh. Okay, so if I'm Dwayne Wade, I stay in Miami. I stay in South Beach, Mike. Yeah, Mike. South- or Cleveland, Ohio. Basketball is a winter sport. Man. South or Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio, all day. I'm all about that Cleveland, Ohio. They got yeah. they got they got those casinos, the on the Indian reservations. I'm all about that life. Yeah. Yeah. Name name a popular street in, in Ohio. Um 
uh, uh, Columbus Street. Uh, 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 okay, <laughs> we're gonna move on before I get Mike in trouble. I just got another ping from Bleacher Report, and there's a source saying that Kevin Durant is 90% sure he's gonna stay with Ooh. the Bo-Case Thunder. Ooh. We'll see how true that is. Yeah. But we'll move on with uh, Jeremy Lin. I have Jeremy Lin coming back to New York, but not to the Knicks. He's going to the Nets. Yes. Despite the Knicks. For letting him go I don't know about to use the spike in the first place. Yes, uh, yeah, for I mean, spite. He's going to go to the Nets. He's going to make a name for himself. Because he doesn't play with the defense, uh, but he can do everything else. He was terrible with the Lakers. Terrible with the Lakers. He was pretty bad with the Rockets. He found himself in Charlotte. I think he should re-sign with Charlotte, but I also think he's going back to New York, but to the Nets. Um, three years, $33 million, $11 million a year seems like enough. Uh, he probably will want more because you know why not more is more is better, uh, but yeah I, I think uh, I think Jeremy Lin gets paid enough for Jeremy Lin's skill set and his flowing locks that's that's all he needs to worry about. Uh, Bradley Beal who looked like a guy who was going to be the next big two guard in the league. I mean it's only been a couple years that he's been you know on the downside, but uh, where's he going? Is he staying in Washington? What's the deal? Yeah, he's staying in Washington with his buddy John Wall. I mean, John Wall have a bond. They're not going to break that up. Even if a team uh, goes for him, I, I think Washington keeps him in place. Yeah, I think he stays. I think he gets a max deal just because he's Ken. Um, Washington, you know, they wanted they wanted Durant. It was never going to happen. There's been rumors that they're also interested in Ryan Anderson. I don't see that happening either. I don't know if they want, like, another Rashard Lewis-type player. But uh, I think they have to keep Bill just because there's not a whole lot else on that team unless you want to you wanna pair Marcin Gortat for years and years with John Wall. So, Nat! Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. But on to another restricted free agent, Jordan Clarkson. Big shout-out to my homeboy, Greg, who's a big fan of Jordan Clarkson. This is for you, Greg. Why? Uh, Why? He signs the Lakers. Yes, they got Brandon Ingram there. They have D'Angelo Russell. But I think Jordan Clarkson is going to be part of the future in L.A. I don't think they let him go, even if a team pursues him hard. He's, again, he's a restrictive free agent. But I don't think you let a guy like that go. And he's a lot more polished than D'Angelo Russell, which doesn't say a lot, but says enough for the Lakers, who probably won't land a big-name free agent. Okay, so where does what position does he play, and how much money is enough money for him? He plays shooting guard. I'm not sure about his cash flow. What, okay, what would you say about it? What would you say is good? And I'll tell you, yay or nay. Well, I, I have him at four years and $45 million just because he is so... We don't know. It's undetermined. He ha- He's a good player, but you can't give this guy any more... You can't give him any more than forty-five. It's too much money for, for a huge question mark. I would say you gotta go higher than forty-five. Uh, if I, I mean, mean if, that's fine, but I wouldn't do it. Here it seems seems pretty good. He did improve from year one to two. His field goal percentage drops very slightly, but he got more minutes. He was under Byron Scott, who treated his young players like trash. Yeah, but he played now a he, lot more. Get a he played a lot more than than D'Angelo Russell, which means if you keep him and put him at the two, you're telling me D'Angelo Russell is your starting point guard. Ooh, that's 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 scary. Give him a chance because, Dan, again, D'Angelo Russell didn't get a chance to prove himself much because, again, Byron Scott was was pushing down his, his rookies and his young players because he wanted to give Kobe his farewell tour all over the world last year. And his young players suffered for it, even Julius Randle. So give the guys a chance under a younger-minded head coach. You got Luke Walton there from the Golden State Warriors coaching staff. And, and now you, you see what you really had in D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson. Again, Clarkson did improve in his second year he, he went from 12 points game to about 
15 and a half. Yes, he got more minutes, but give him a chance in his third year and see what he does. In the meantime, you pay him a decent salary, maybe 12 to 13. I would say 13. And you have him as your two guard, and I, I don't think you have a problem there at that position for a long term. What about a signing trade? You take... You take this man, who we're obviously talking about, Jordan Clarkson. You take him and you trade him to the Sixers, who obviously could use a two-guard, who we already spoke about if they don't get Deion Waiters, and you and you send Nerlens Noel. And we know that the Lakers should have taken That's, should have taken Okafor the year before. What do you think about adding him to that equation if you don't get a Hassan that, Whiteside? That's brilliant. That's actually brilliant. If you're if you're going to trade Jordan Clarkson, trade him to the 76ers who need a two-guard. You get a guy like Nerlens Noel who can guard the paint. He's your rim protector. Someone who's more proven, more polished than Jordan Clarkson in his position. That's a brilliant move. The Lakers should give you a call on Harry. I mean, I'm full of brilliant moves, baby. I just need somebody to recognize my, my abilities. Mike, so. Mike, don't let your head get too big. I give you props. Let's, let's cut it off right there. It please. doesn't happen often, though. You don't give me props often, so I need to just reinforce the, uh, the, the moment. Anyway, moving and staying with a man who still hasn't put a shirt on since he won the NBA championship, J.R. Smith. Um, I think he stays in Cleveland. Again, this is if Dwayne Wade doesn't come to town. Uh, I think he stays in Cleveland two years with an opt-out, $28 million, $14 million is more than enough. Uh, I, don't, I, I just can't see paying J.R. Smith $15, $16 million a, a season. I, I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't either, but I think J.R. Smith and his shirt stay in Cleveland. The big question is, when J.R. Smith takes the court, does he play with the shirt or without it? You know, because, as you said, he hasn't put one on. I don't know if it's uh, a slogan he's going by or what. Well, if or maybe it's hot or trying to cool off. But well, it is hot in Cleveland because it is lovely this time of year. So, But regardless, oh, President Obama wants him to put a shirt on. And what the president says is, you know, it goes. So uh, uh, maybe J.R. could go find his way down to South Beach, though, if he was not to stay with, uh, with Cleveland because I have... Joe Johnson, maybe possibly. I have him eventually staying with the Heat two years, $25 million with that opt-out because he did play really well for the Heat. But I can also see Joe Smith jumping ship and going to Cleveland. And I think if that were to happen, I just think you should just, you know, trade those two spots for those guys, JR for Joe Smith, because they're pretty equal in their, in their play. Maybe Joe Smith is a little bit more consistent at this stage in his career, but he's a couple years older as well. But what do you think about for, for uh, your man, the oldest man in the NBA, Joe Smith? Joe Smith, who is really Joe Johnson, is not going to let you calling him Joe Smith. I combined Joe the Johnson. two. They're both the same. They're a hybrid of both. Joe Mo Money Mo Buckets Johnson is going to sign with the Thunder because oh. you know, is going to be on the move, and then Joe Johnson will go to the Thunder knowing that he can win a ring there because, again, it looks like they're going to have Kevin Durant back. They're trying hard for Al Hawford. They have a, they have young guys that can play play the four and the five positions. Joe Johnson could come off the bench, spot up, hit a couple of three pointers, maybe become the Ray Allen for the Thunder that he was with the Miami Heat. So there you go, Joe Johnson with the Thunder, great pickup. I just have a problem with these guys like him and David West that are just like on the hunt, like Gary Payton and Carl Malone were years ago. Where says I'm gonna go wherever I think has the best opportunity. I just I don't get it. I mean, I know it's a thing that everybody wants a ring, and I, I that I respect, but I just don't see how a lot of times that it, it that doesn't necessarily fit into what these teams need. Yes, the Heat needed a small forward last year, but if you're the Thunder and you're going to take Joe Johnson and put him at the two, which means Oladipo is going to come off the bench, unless you're going to move Durant to the four, I just I think it makes I think it eventually makes your team weaker because Joe Johnson doesn't play much defense anymore. 
Well, I mean, like I said, he'll come off the bench, so they're not going to be expecting to do much. He'll have a set goal when he gets on the court. All you have to do, Joe Johnson, is just stand in the corner and hit a couple of threes like your Courtney Lee. That's it. Uh, just stand in the corner and just shoot a couple of jumpers. You're all good. You average maybe 10 to 13, 14 points a game. Even 12 points a game is good for what the Thunder have because they have their primary scores already in place. I think he fits there. But uh, we'll move on to another player. And I want to give another quick shout-out to Laura on this one. Laura is a is an avid uh, Pacers fan, and there was rumors that Eric Gordon would go to the Pacers and fill out their bench, and she was not having it. She she's watched him play. She actually went to a Pelicans Pacers game, and she said he wow. played zero defense or played poor defense. She got flagged for it, but she stood her ground, and I and I sue her for that. She doesn't like Eric Gordon going to the Pacers, so if you haven't gone to the Pacers, you might want to change your mind on that. I, I have to move into the Grizzlies because the, the Grizzlies need a shooting guard. If Eric Gordon can stay healthy, he can at least give you some shooting, some scoring at the two guard position. Man, Eric Gordon, how how far how far he has fallen in his career from you know being a stud at Indiana to going to the Clippers and then playing for everybody and anybody, and now he's looking for a job. It, it's uh, it's sad, but he's still young enough, and if he can stay healthy, he still does have a, a pretty good skill set. I would take a chance with the Knicks, give him a two-year, $22 million deal with an opt-out because uh, the man you just mentioned, Courtney Lee, I don't want any piece of that because we've seen the best that Courtney Lee has to offer, and that was with the Magic in, I think, 2009 when they went to the finals against the Lakers. Uh, That is not the type of guy I want as my starting two-guard. Uh, and not that I'm saying that Courtney, uh, that Eric Gordon would be my starting because I'd rather have him up coming off the bench as well, but I'd rather have him uh, with his potential than a guy like Courtney Lee who just I, I just don't get. Yeah, I'm not on board with the whole, whole Courtney Lee. I tweeted about it even before we got on air. Why are Knicks fans so hyped on Courtney Lee? I watched a lot of his games with the Memphis Grizzlies, and all he did was basically what I said Joe Johnson should do in the Thunders. He just stands in the corner, waits till they pass the ball, and sometimes he hits, sometimes he doesn't. I would say he's he's an okay shooter. He's not a knockdown shooter. He has some size, so he can probably guard the three and the four position. But I'm not high on Courtney Lee as someone who's a pick and pop player who can just catch and shoot. He's not that reliable. I would prefer Eric Gordon, even though he was slandered pretty hard by a friend in Indiana. By the way, uh, <laughs> she she said our New York accents her it's pronounced Laura, not law as in law. Well, well, Laura, my sister's name is Lauren, and I call her Lauren, so bam. Let's do it. Stop. Bam. She doesn't like that. Don't. You might want to edit that out. We'll probably keep it on. No, we're keeping it. Apologies. She doesn't like that comparison, (laughs) so there you go. Uh, Lauren and Laura, two different things. I just want to clear that up. No, same thing. Same thing. And another thing, Laura, I hope you got those tickets to the Pelican game for free, because the Pelicans are terrible. Listen, they had Terrible. Anthony Davis there, okay? They the unibrow. I like Tyreek Evans. The unibrow. Right. Tyreek Evans? <laughs> Tyreek Evans isn't like Tyreek Evans. Get out of here. Let's not slander the Pelicans, okay? What are we doing here? We're, we're, okay, let's Terrible. get back to No, I like, I like when I get heated up. Let's keep it going. Who else I got on that team that's miserable? Anybody? Oh, stop it. All right, never stop. mind. Eric Borton, he can give, as I said, He's lost the faith of one Indiana native, even yeah. though he played college there. And Laura. he's not a defensive presence as much, but he could still, as you say, he could still score. And the Grizzlies have been looking for a score for the last, I don't know, five, six Sixty-five seasons. So uh, he can go there and do that and just be a, have a niche role there and just stand in the corner and hit a couple threes, maybe resurrect his dying career. We'll see. You but know. as you said, Courtney Lee, I don't like him with the Knicks. 
People say maybe Kevin Martin is an alternative. I don't like him there either Man. for the Knicks. Yeah, no. The Knicks need to either pony up and get Evan Evan Turner. No, no oh. Evan Turner. Du- I'd rather Dwayne yeah. Wade. How about Dwayne Wade in New York? How about that? How- we get a banana boat. We get Porzingis in the front of the banana boat. I think he'd be great. Listen, <laughs> if, if Dwayne Wade leaves Miami, he's going to go to a team with a legitimate chance to win. Sacramento. Fire shot at Knicks fans or the Knicks, but you just did. they're going to be much improved, but they're not a title contender, and Dwayne Wade is not going to You heard it there, Nick fans. Your your own Maurice Moten has told you that you are terrible and have no chance at winning an NBA <laughs> championship. So you know what? When the Knicks raise the banners at MSG for the 2017-18 season as your reigning NBA champions, I, Mike Calandrillo, will take all and every pr- pleasure and, and an accolade that you want to throw my way. I have no problem uh, with that. First of all, I did say terrible, so let's get that straight. No, that's I what, didn't you, say terrible. That's what I you said meant. Really much improved. Meant. The difference. It's what you meant. It's what your, your inflection much, much in your voice was, sir. They'll win 44 to 48 games if they indeed sign Joe Kim Noah there, but they don't need Courtney Lee. So if they get Gordon, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. Again, it's a close to a 50 win team, but they need to go elsewhere than, than Courtney Lee and Kevin Martin. Uh, I, I, again, Eric Gordon is a good choice, but Knicks fans, I'm just giving you some realistic wow. analysis here. I'm not feeding you dreams and pipe dreams about an NBA title. It's not going to happen. Well, you know June what? You know what, Mo? Tweet me. Concrete what? jungle where dreams are made of. Ain't nothing we can do. That's why we in New York. So you know what? Let me, to you, let, sir. Let me, let me ask you. You're in the last year of your career. You're Dwayne Wade. You're going to go to the New York Knicks with James Dolan? You're going to go from Pat Riley to James Dolan? Seriously, you're going to go to being the guy in Miami to the second fiddle to Carmelo Anthony, who hasn't won a title? I'd rather go to beautiful Cleveland yeah, with beautiful second fiddle Cleveland. to LeBron James, who's actually won three titles. I, well, I, I said he should go to Cleveland, but I said I'd rather have Dwayne Wade than anybody else at the two-guard that we currently just named, like Aaron Afalo who thankfully opted out of his deal. Uh, Aaron, another guy, is looking for a paycheck. I don't think he'll get a huge one because, you know, he shouldn't. But uh, he looks like a spur to me. Two years, $25 million, more than enough money. He fits in. He can back up a little Kawhi Leonard. He can be maybe a little bit more consistent Danny Green, who you hate. Uh, I think think he'd be good there. First of all, Danny Green, he was trash last year. He was the first, quote-unquote, B&B player. I know he's a North Carolina kid. Yeah, serious. I'm sorry. And he's a New York kid. And he's a New York kid. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But he didn't show up last year in San Antonio. And that's uh, what matters. Hater. So, hater. You have you have Aaron O'Fallon going to the Spurs. You're just shipping all the old people yep. to San Antonio. Yep, it's a retirement community in San Antonio on the I, Riverwalk. I think he goes to a San Antonio Disciples team in Atlanta with the Hawks oh. and he replaces Kent Bazemore. I think that's a good fit for him. Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Ha, Atlanta is just a very mediocre-looking team. They, they're very boring, very bland. And Aaron Afalo fits that uh, that team chemistry. Very boring, very bland player. All right. Thank you for your detailed analysis of the very boring people in the NBA. Moving on to the point guard position. And I don't know about you, but I saw that video that uh, the Grizzlies made for Mike Conley. And, and the best part of it was when Justin Timberlake opened it. And then after that, it was just a bunch of players telling telling Mike Conley why he needs to come back to the Grizzlies. So I guess maybe it'll work because I don't really see him going elsewhere. I don't think he'll go to Dallas. I don't think he'll go to San Antonio. I think he gets a max deal. He stays with his brother, Marcus Gasol, and um, he never wins a title in Memphis. Uh, yeah, he 
he's going to sign, we signed with Memphis. As you said, he's not going to win a title because that team is good. It's just not good enough, especially yeah. when you have OKC and Golden State out west. If he's smart, he comes out to an Eastern Conference team. Uh, if I had to throw a random out there, maybe he considers the Celtics and the Celtics move some parts. What? Isaiah? They got Isaiah. He can't play two. He can't play two. He's too small. Hey, you know, you, you run a little Phoenix action with, with two guards in the backcourt and you, you try to make it work there because, come on, Jalen Brown, seriously, Jalen Brown, maybe you get Conley and maybe you trade some parts. Maybe you trade Isaiah Thomas then for a big at that point. So you... No, just something to think about, but I do have him staying with Memphis. All right. It's a lot of moving parts. Let's move on to your other favorite player in the world, Rajon Rondo. Where's he going? Yeah, he's coming to the Nets. Yeah, uh, he, had, yeah. he expressed interest in going to the Knicks or the Nets. Obviously, the Knicks acquired D-Rose, so that's obviously not going to happen. I think Rajon Rondo goes to the Nets. With, the funny thing is, he had a quote saying that there was a lot of distractions with the Kings. And this is the same guy who can't get along with anyone <laughs> from Boston to Dallas to Sacramento. He can't get along with a, with, with a single head coach, but he's going to go to the Nets and say, well, the Kings had too many distractions. If he goes to the Nets, he needs to get his act together because the Nets are a rebuilding team and they need some foundation blocks on that roster in his starting lineup. And I think Rondo gives them that. He can distribute the ball to Brooke Lopez and Jeremy Lin, who I said earlier should also join the Nets. And Chandler Parsons. And I actually think that's a lot better of a team than they currently have. Of course, um, which which um, which Lopez brother is it? Because Fred Hoiberg doesn't know which one he has on his team. So it is yeah. it is Brooke, correct? It is Brooke. Okay. Uh, in fairness to Fred Hoiberg, the Bulls did make the move, so it kind of made his head spin there. So he maybe he's dreaming about Brook, but he got terrible. Robin. Uh, I feel bad for Robin on that one. Yeah, but, uh, yeah serious. Yeah, indeed, Brook is in Brooklyn. The better Robin Lopez twin is in Brooklyn. Yeah, and the, 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 the one with the baby have, feet. They could have a, a better team than we initially thought coming into the next season. Yeah, and th- I think he gets four years, $60 million, anything more than $60 million, And I think uh, any team that, that does that is just um, looking looking to get a bad contract on their books but uh we'll see the the last point guard we have to to potentially go over is a guy who used to have it all together in milwaukee uh, and that is brandon jennings uh, uh do you see him ever being the player he used to be and if so where could he potentially do that you know what i have to say about this one what damn homie oh, what is happening he was the man homie. like Brandon Jennings was that dude. As you said, he was on the Bucks, and we all thought Brandon Jennings was going to be that guy years to come, and he's just been bounced around. He, he had an injury with Detroit. I think it was an ACL. Achilles. Uh, slowed him down. Achilles. Achilles. Yeah, uh, same thing. On the same NA, same thing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's not staying with the Magic, and the Bulls, I think, are a good spot for him because the Bulls don't really have an established point guard there. Jose Calderon is my grandfather's age. And Jerry and Grant is just not ready to play. No. So you stick Brandon Jennings there in the backcourt, and hopefully he can feed the ball to Jimmy Butler, get a couple of scores of his own, size of the Bulls. And Fred Hoiberg wants to play a faster-paced game, and I think Brandon Jennings can do that. It's not a bad option. I have him going to those uh, aforementioned Kings uh, for uh, like two years and about 15 mil with an opt-out after the first because he's got to prove himself if he can come back from that Achilles-slash-ACL injury that you described. Um 
But, yeah, uh, the Kings going to need a point guard. We don't know what's going to happen with Darren Collison and, and uh, his situation there on domestic abuse. They are going to let go of Rondo. Uh, yeah, it's just a really weird team. And, actually, I don't know if you read uh, about uh, what happened on draft night when Boogie Cousins sent out that tweet, but Boogie Cousins clarified it and said he was about to go into a hot yoga class, and that's why he said, Lord, give me strength, and not because the Kings drafted somebody from Greece. That's a lie. I mean, because if you're going to do yoga, you don't need strength. You need flexibility. So that's a lie right there. Lord, give, uh, give me flexibility. And, that doesn't sound as, sound as good, though. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he, he tried to cover it up. Obviously, someone got in his ear and said, maybe you need to clarify that. And he needed to come up with a lie. I bet you he doesn't even do yoga. He was probably just stretching in his living room and was watching the draft and just got angry. But that's a different story. Yeah. Why are you trying to mess up my man Brandon Jennings sending him to the Kings? I mean, has he had enough? You know, hard times in his NBA career. Now you want to send him to an unstable franchise like the Kings. Yes, they need a point guard, but if I'm Brandon Jennings or any free agent, I'm avoiding the Kings at all costs. Yeah, I mean, I just think that there's not as many teams that are going to be willing to pay him for his services. And I think if he can get like seven, eight million dollars a season with that opt out, I think the Kings are in need of a point guard with their current situation. But yeah, it's not a great fit. Um, I actually thought that maybe the Knicks too to back up D Rose, but again, it's it's another it's another possibility that if he doesn't come back from that from that injury to be the player he was, uh, might not be a great situation. But again, if he does, it could be nice for the Knicks because now you can you know you can you don't have to have Rose out there for you know forty two minutes a night or thirty eight or thirty six. So, but again, uh, time will tell. And and that's that's pretty much all the names. Did we hit everybody that you thought was was of importance, Mo? Yeah, we I, we believe I believe we hit on everyone who was important. We even touched on Courtney Lee, who didn't deserve a space in the segment, but we touched on him. Uh, real quick, I did get another ping from Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report is pretty popular right now. Uh, the Nets have waived Jared Jack. We are already uh, this. They, they already said that they couldn't trade him, that they would waive him, so that opens the spot off for Rondo if he does join. If, Ron, if they don't snag Rondo, then Isaiah Whitehead, the Brooklyn native, will get a chance maybe to start in the next season, which is a good move. Uh, for his development, the uh, head coach, Kenny Axon, has already said they want to develop him as a point guard. So even if Rondo does get there, Whitehead will have someone uh, of stature to learn behind if he's going to take over the reins at point guard eventually. Man, I hope Jared Jack doesn't go play for the Knicks. I just have a bad feeling. It, it could happen because if he's looking for – it depends on what he's looking for. If he's looking for a big deal, he'll probably sign with a team with a lot of cap space. If he's just looking to sign somewhere to save his career, he is 32, turning 33 before the season starts, then he could – virtually go anywhere yeah. but uh that that that's pretty much it for open mic we're gonna go, we're gonna come back with building momentum we're gonna talk more money more buckets and we're gonna talk l's no not weed but losses that's up next it's now time for building momentum well no one in nfl history has ever been guaranteed 80 Seven million dollars in a contract until today when your Amish quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts Laura's Indianapolis Colts Andrew Luck secured a hundred and forty million dollar deal wow I mean this guy is good but is anyone that good well Mike Andrew Luck is probably I would say he's uh, what is he? He's Broadway and Williamsburg right now. He's worth it. Think about I mean, he had a lacerated kidney last year. I know he didn't play the whole season, but 
that franchise got so lucky landing him. I mean, they had to suffer through some games with Jim Sorgi as their quarterback. So when they landed Andrew Luck to take the reins over for Peyton Manning, who departed for Denver, they, they got to be smiling. And he's again, he's the quarterback. He's worth it. Without him, where are the Indianapolis Colts? Do they make the playoffs that year? He could have. He almost pushed for the Super Bowl. Got to the, I believe the AFC Championship one year. So he is worth all that money. Six years, one hundred forty million. Eight, as you said, eighty-seven million guaranteed. And that that's what the market is right now. He just passed Joe Flacco, who was earning an average of twenty-two million a year. So think about that. Joe Flacco was your highest-paid quarterback on on an average basis per year. So Andrew Luck, of course, when he got when it was his time to get paid, he's gonna get the max, and he's gonna get basically top earning quarterback in the league. And again, he deserves it because without him, where would the Colts be? That franchise is it's a very small market, and they've been lucky from Manning to Luck. You can't get any better than that. Yeah, and this guy's had a hell of a start to his career: over fourteen thousand yards, hundred and one touchdowns, thirty five wins, three playoff trips, and two AFC South titles. But I just worry the fact that he's getting beat up year after year. I don't know if they need to somehow solidify that offensive line or, more importantly, get a blocking running back in there or, or you know, some kind of fullback to, to stay in on every passing play because if he continues to take hits the way he did last year, this is going to be money uh, foolishly spent because he just can't stay on the field. And, again, it was one season, but it was almost the whole season. And, you know, Matt Hasselbeck had to come in and do, you know, as most as he, that he could to keep the team in games. And, and unfortunately, if you're going you're gonna to put all that money and all that pressure on this kid, you've got to surround him with better pieces. Uh, you know, as much as I like T.Y. Hilton, he would not be my number one option as a, as a wide receiver. Yeah, he's pretty small. You know, again, I know you don't have to be a giant in the NFL to be a solid wide receiver. Steve Smith Sr. proved that. But you've got to get him a little bit more complimentary pieces than just a T.Y. Hilton. Uh, and, you know, Andre Johnson obviously didn't fill that role. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. They, they are trying. They drafted Ryan Kelly, who was a center out of Alabama, as the number 18th overall pick, I believe. 16 or 18, one of them. But they did draft a center for, for Andrew Luck, you know, to be his protection in front of him. They did move around some parts on the perimeter between the guards and the tackles, so, so we'll see how that works out. A lot of people have put a lot of attention on their offensive line, but also, and this was brought last year, Andrew Luck has to do a better job of saving himself. He does yeah. go all out, which is a good thing, but when you're getting hit and you're taking a pounding and you're not Andrew Luck and you're not as elusive, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take its toll, and he has to be smart about taking a slide, taking a dive. It's okay, Andrew Luck. They need you for the long term. They paid you this money. They definitely need you to stay healthy. Absolutely. He's the face of the franchise. You know, there's there's probably, I don't know, it's arguably that you could say maybe Aaron Rodgers you'd want on a team if you were starting from scratch. Uh, maybe Cam Newton. But, you know, he's definitely top five as far as quarterbacks go, especially with his age. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, the next quarterback that's up to get paid, Derek Carr is coming up soon for the Raiders. For my Raiders, Raiders fans listening to this, he's going to get paid handsomely as, as well, especially if the Raiders make the playoffs for the first time in, I believe, 13 years. Derek Carr, your time is coming up. I don't know if you're going to get 87 guaranteed like Andrew Luck, but it's going to be pretty damn close, so brace yourselves for that one. All right, and what what is this news that's breaking now about the Dallas Cowboys situation, the, those L's you were talking about? 
Yeah, uh, Dallas Cowboys taking L's literally and figuratively speaking. Uh, literally because they're going to be without Demarcus Lawrence for four games. They're going to be without Randy Gregory for four games. And Rolando McClain has been said to be serving a 10-game suspension for also substance abuse policy. So either all taking L's and smoking weed together <laughs> or something's going on where, where it's just disciplinary reasons. The Cowboys just don't have the most disciplined roster. You have the very hard situation last year, and then you have all these suspensions coming into this year. The Cowboys need to get it together. We talk about character guys, or we don't talk about them, but uh, organizations and GMs and head coaches talk about character players, and I think the Dallas Cowboys need more character players in that locker room because apparently a lot of these players don't value their NFL careers as much because they're sacrificing games on Sunday to just smoke a joint, and it's just, it's not working out. It's not going to work out for the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys starting off the season. A lot of their front seven is going to be off the field for an extended period of time. Uh, as you know, Jalen Smith was drafted there, but he's not expected to play for his rookie season. Dallas, I had them coming back and possibly challenging for a division title, but I had to see what their defense looks like for the first four weeks because it doesn't look good. Yeah, and sticking with knuckleheads that wear the, the star in their helmet, uh, word came out this week that Darren McFadden decided to tell the truth about breaking his elbow, and it was just that he fell. He just fell, tripped with his phone in his hand, and fell on his elbow. So why why he decided to lie and tell everyone that he was trying to save his phone, that story doesn't add up, so I still think he's lying, uh, because why wouldn't you not just come out and say you tripped? Are you too big of a man to say you fell? I, I, I'm totally still confused by this turn of events. Because he has a Derrick Rose-like history of being injured all the time in the NFL, and he probably didn't want to get laughed at for it. He probably didn't want to have a meme with him and Derrick Rose as the two most injured athletes in, in history right now. But, I, again, he, maybe he's lying again. Maybe yeah. he's not. It doesn't really matter because, again, they have two running backs who are going to take over that backfield. I have my own personal reasons why I'm against Ezekiel Elliott, but I won't reveal those on air. This person who's listening to the show knows why. Is it just a crop top? Is it, is it just because of crop top? or? Is it? Yeah, I. It's 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 so deeper than the crop top, uh, but we'll get into that probably in another show, okay. probably when the NFL kicks off. But uh, Mike, you had an interesting list about MLB managers on the hot seat who could be fired. Fine. I don't agree with one in particular. Of course you don't. Of course. I'm a wild on which one. Number one. I don't agree with yeah, number okay. one. Yeah. Well, the, the list was painful for me to actually. Uh, I guess, put together because there are both New York managers on there. And number five is, is Joe Girardi. And I don't blame him so much as I blame the front office and Brian Cashman. But again, when you're the Yankees and you're spending $225 million and you're, you're barely at 500, obviously today they won on a walk-off wild pitch. I mean, you'll take any win you can get any way you can. But they're just, there's no motivation. for. And I don't again, I don't blame Joe because I think he's done the best he can with what he's being given. But when you're the Yankees and you haven't won a World Series title since 2009, you can't fire all the players, unfortunately. And yes, the Yankees are eventually going to be getting rid of contracts. Uh, this year, Mark Deshera comes off the books, uh, Carlos Beltran, and next year, Sabathia and A-Rod. But this is just a team that you expect more out of uh, you need somebody to motivate them, and there comes a time where every manager just can no longer do that. Uh, you know, Joe Torre was there before, and he stepped down because he felt he could no longer implore these guys to get up for big games. So uh, I put Girardi at five, but again, if the Yankees go out and make some moves, he could be easily taken off this, this list because the Yankees still have the potential to climb. Number four is Brad Ausmus, the, the manager of the Detroit Tigers, another team that is playing way under expectations and I know they've had some injuries with JD Martinez and Victor Martinez has been in and out and Miguel Cabrera is just not the type of power hitter that he used to be 
but they just got swept by the Cleveland Indians, you know, from beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And and the fact is now that Cleveland's like 10 games up in the division and Detroit just continues to fall. Uh, it, it's a weird team. They lost their general manager, Dave Dombrowski, to the Boston Red Sox in the offseason. Uh, and they've got, it's funny, they've got Lloyd McClendon, who, who's been around the game forever. And it seems like the new the new brass in Detroit love this guy, who and he's currently managing in AAA. So I just feel like they're waiting for the right moment to replace uh, to replace Osmus with a McClendon. Uh, and again, another team that maybe just needs a spark. For whatever the reason, uh, Osmus is just not rallying the troops. The team is, you know, plays a couple good games, a couple bad games. I mean, it could point to their pitching. Uh, Justin Verlander started out with a, with a head of steam in the last three games. He's just been, he's been shelled. Uh, he'll find another job. I don't worry. He was a, he was an ex-catcher, played for many years in Houston. He's a smart guy. I think he'll hook on somewhere else. But, you know, maybe his time in Detroit is coming to an end. Then there's a guy who's been in the same job for far too long, and that's Mike Sosha. Uh, 16 seasons Mike Sosha has been has been the, the manager of the Los Angeles, Anaheim, California Angels, whatever you want to call them. But he's done a great job. I mean, he's got five AL West titles, three ALCS appearances, and a World Series ring. But again, that was in 2002, okay? The thing is, you've got Mike Trout, who's arguably the most all-around player in the game, and you're really wasting him. I mean, this team didn't make the playoffs this year. Doesn't look like they have any chance of making the playoffs this year because... Unfortunately, their pitching has gone down one after the other. Andrew Haney out for the year, it looks like. Uh, Garrett Richards out for the year, it looks like. Again, these are all possible Tommy Johns. Uh, Albert Pujols, one of the worst contracts in the history of time. He just can't run anymore. And when your second-best offensive bat is Cole Calhoun, who I have nothing against, but he can't be your, he can't be the guy in the lineup to protect Mike Trout. He's just not that type of guy. Uh, so there's been a lot of debate, should the Angels trade Trout? I wrote a piece that said he should. Uh, if you want to re reboost this entire organization, and actually the Angels have the dead last minor league system in all of baseball, according to Baseball Prospectus, that's the move to be made. Uh, I just think it's time for the Angels to make a huge change front office altogether. I mean, they're 31 and 43, 16 games out of first. We're not even at the All Star break yet, and you're 16 games out of first. There's, there's, if they can come back from that, then Mike Sosha should be the manager of the year. But it's just not looking good. Uh, number two on the list, Robin Ventura. You know him as your, you know, played for the Mets, played for the Yankees for a little while. Uh, the White Sox started out super hot. Uh, they led the American League Central as of May 13th and since then have just been horrendous. Uh, and again, with Cleveland in first, Kansas City in second, Detroit in third, this team is way back in fourth place. And everybody's just waiting for Robin to get fired. He looks like it looks like he's kind of disheveled. If you watch the games, he's he's turning gray uh, by the minute. He just doesn't look like he has much say of what even goes on. Uh, they did try to go out and they made some moves and, and getting a Todd Frazier from Cincinnati, who has 23 home runs, which is great, but you don't even know about it because it's Chicago. They probably have the AL Cy Young winner right now if the season ended in Chris Sale. He's got over 10 wins. He looks amazing, but again, it's just not enough. They don't have enough pieces. When, when uh, you know, Melky Cabrera is your third best hitter uh, after Jose Abreu and Todd Frazier, that is not enough to get you where. And again, I, I don't put this all on the managers. It's really on the general managers who get you these players. But again, you can't fire the team, and you can only make so many trades. And you have to try something to reinvigorate these guys because, again, it's not even the All-Star break yet. And we'll have plenty of uh, talk next week as the All-Star game progresses. And again, these are just the first couple guys on the, the potential hot seat. And number one, the one that Mo was talking about that he doesn't agree with, but I think if he honestly took a good look in the mirror, would be Terry Collins, okay? Uh, this team was the National League champion 
And I don't need to tell you that, but when you think that that they have fallen, and it's not their record. There's three games under 500. okay? Still a lot of games to go. 40-37, only a half a game out of the wild card, and thank God for the second wild card because it keeps so many teams in the conversation for the playoffs. But this team is already six games out of first, and I know that they were six games out of first last year, but that then they got Cespedes, and they brought up Syndergaard, and they brought up Mats, and those two guys I just named both have bone spurs, and it actually looks like Steven Mats is about 60-40 on if he will get the surgery to remove the bone spur, which will knock him out for the season. And the Syndergaard situation, same thing. He says he's been pitching through it for a month now. Uh, has not looked good in his last couple starts. Only lasted about four innings the other night against Washington. He lied about the fact that he had a bone spur because there's a lot of pressure in that New York Met locker room. You've already lost David Wright. Lucas Duda, we don't know when he's coming back. For 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 Again, these are not his problem. Uh, he can't control injuries, but you can't control the way you use your pitching staff. And I completely feel that he burnt these guys out last year. Look no further than Matt Harvey in the World Series. You walk out to the mound, uh, you're still in the game, and you give Harvey the, the, the choice of if he wants to stand or not. No, you're the manager. Pull the string. The only thing that, that it seems like Collins has total control over is I'm going to bring in Jerry's Familia every game all the time because he's the only guy I trust in the, in the bullpen. And he's been great. ERA is over three, which is not great for a closer, but he – I mean, I mean, he has over 20 saves, which is phenomenal. But for whatever the reason, uh, he has not he's not utilized Juan Lagares, who has a great glove, about a 260 hitter. He should be your leadoff guy, but he doesn't play. I get that. Uh, Michael Conforto got that wrist thing going on. He continues to bat Curtis Granderson in the leadoff uh, role, not a leadoff hitter. And again, you can point to the 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 front office. They went out and got Neil Walker having a good year. Yeah, is Drupal Cabrera not bad? Currently, you've got Kelly Johnson playing a little bit of third. It's a really weird construction of a team. It's a team that really depends all on their pitching. And now that you've got all these question marks, uh, you need the manager to do something. And I just think he's not the type of guy to get to rally the troops. And it wasn't him last year. It was Cespedes. Carried them. Carried them up until the, the Chicago Cubs NLCS series. And then when he couldn't do it, it was on the pitching. And, and eventually, the pitching let them down against the Royals. So... Not saying that any of these guys need to go today, but if there was a list from one to five, these are the guys, the hit list of who should be potentially going. And we'll know more after the All-Star break and by that July 31st trade deadline. If these teams aren't in it and you start need to rebuild for next season, you've got to start with the manager and then go from there. A couple of things, Mike. Yes, um, yes, Mo. You had an article and our, our another editor for Empire Rights Back, our fabulous New York sports blog, an article about the Yankees needing to change things up. I know you spoke about trading trading Aroldis Chapman to the Marlins. Mm-hmm. And I expected vitriol from Yankees fans. And it just seems like Yankees fans are pretty defeated at yeah. this time of year. They're just like, yeah, we need to change. Yeah, trade him. Yeah, usually fans are connected to their players. I just don't feel that for the Yankees. There, I just feel like there's a disconnect between fans and players. Usually fans stick up for players and they go, no, this guy, he could, he could still pull it out. He could still be good. But I guess... Fans are with you, and, and there needs to be a shakeup. There needs to be some trade. They're with you and Nick on that. But the, the angst is not directed at Joe Girardi. It's actually directed at Randy Levine, Brian Cash, oh, yeah. and Hank and Hal Steinbrenner. Big time. So yeah, I, if, I, if their, their dad maybe, if, if maybe their dad was alive, if if Hank if you know if if the great George Steinbrenner was alive, this this would not be happening. This team would not be okay with mediocrity. And, and say what you will, that it's a different era and teams grow from within their minor league system. But this is the New York Yankees. This is the most winningest franchise in all of professional sports in the world. This is a team that 
has fans that expect to win. And you're right, we are defeated. And I'll tell you, I'm I'm the biggest Yankees fan that is probably 32 years old in the world. I would put I would put money on the table. But I am in the majority for saying that this team cannot compete the way it's currently constructed. And I know we're only uh it's like what 10 games out of first now and but again only like three and a half out in the wild card and again a wild card is huge but this team cannot continue to play the way they are I mean they won today on a wild pitch that doesn't happen more than once a season and and there's been so much debate on should we bring up Aaron Judge uh, he's not ready according to Brian Cash and well he's got 16 home runs he's a spark and your your manager in Joe Girardi needs a spark and and said he would like him up but knows it's not up to him so there's a lot of discourse and there's a lot of inner struggle and turmoil in the organization you know Randy Levine gets on on the media and the fans saying you've never you've never been a part of something like this you don't you don't know what you're talking about uh, but we're the fans we pay your salary and yet we don't know what we're talking about and that's the kind of the cool thing is the situation that we're in that we get to write about these teams is that if for someone like me that sticks up for his Yankees against anybody and everybody in the world if I can put my viewpoint out there and say that yes it's time to trade a guy like our oldest Chapman because he's a free agent at the end of the year you traded a top 10 uh, uh Ricky Davis is his name a top 10 pitching prospect you traded him to Cincinnati you better get something for Chapman it's the old Dwight Howard situation while you still can otherwise you he's gonna walk and and again you might get something that doesn't help you this year but it's going to help you down the road so it's nice to see that Yankees fans aren't so bullheaded that they, they can't accept the, the reality of what's going on because it's it's not good. And, you know, and I know and, and for you, I know you're a Mets fan, but you've honestly got to look at the team and just say, as it's constructed, there's no way the Mets can beat out the Nationals. And, and the Marlins, who are in second place, have much more going on than the Mets. And they just traded for Fernando Rodney today from from San Diego for nothing, basically a minor league pitcher. And Mike Stanton is still hitting around 220. And in the past six games, he's starting to heat up, but he's hitting singles. So you got a $300 million single hitter. But what happens when Mike Stanton inevitably heats up? He could carry this team through the month of August and September, just like Cespedes did last year. So you've got to be concerned if you're a Mets fan that you, you should implore this team as much as you possibly can to go out and be, be more proactive, do something because of how far they came last year. You certainly don't want to miss the playoffs after making the World Series a season ago. Yeah, I, I'm. You're preaching to the choir on that one. I mean, I Terry Collins. I wouldn't say his seat is the hottest because he's just coming off a, of an NL pennant. But the team has struggled with injuries. You did say that, and you said, well, managers should be able to handle catastrophe and, and move things around. I know you didn't like the Cespedes move where he is from the beginning in center field, I believe, yeah, and yeah. You've, been, you've been preaching about that for a while. Uh, a friend said to me, well, I, I don't see the Mets winning the division anyway, so they're going to have to win the wild card. I said this two episodes ago that I didn't see the Mets ever passing the Washington Nationals anyway. But it seems like they're going to have to be active at the trade deadline to to make a move. Uh, who knows what those moves are? Maybe Mike will produce a nice article for Empire Rights Back telling <laughs> us what the Mets should do by the trade deadline. Well, it's funny. I did produce the one where the Mets should – I put, what was it, the top five guys that the Mets should go out and fill third base. And it's funny. My, the, the, I believe it was the number five was Danny Valencia, who the Mets have actually spoken about. But they've yet to pull the trigger. And I, that's the thing that bothers me is that all these teams talk a good game that they – that okay, we're thinking about Danny Valencia and we're thinking about uh, Guriel, who is the Cuban uh, import, who still hasn't signed with a team but has been at Dodger camp and he worked out for the Mets. And he's a 32-year-old minor, uh, you know, free agent. So he'll help you this year and maybe next. But do something because why, why wait? And I know that everybody is – 
technically still in it because of that second wild card, but that second wild card is a one-game play-in. So regardless, just like the Yankees last year got into the one-game playoff and laid an egg against Houston, that's it. You're one and done. They really had no chance on paper against that Houston team the way they played last year. So even if the Mets can beat out the Marlins and beat out the Cardinals and the Pirates and the Dodgers and whoever else to get that second wild card, because more than likely the first wild card uh, you know, again, we see the Cubs holding on. We see the Nationals. It could be the Dodgers. Regardless of who you think the first one is, they're good, they could get in. They should get in. But it's a one-game situation. So if you're not healthy and you pitch whomever, DeGrom, Harvey, whoever they decide to go with, if you're not ready with the bats, with that lineup, and this is what you're prepping for, you're done in one game. And, yeah, it's okay to say, well, we made the playoffs, but big deal. You made a wild-card playing game, and you were done before you even knew it. So I, I just think, you know, you need to set yourself up for success, and that time is now. And if you aren't ready to do something right after the All-Star break, well, then you've got two weeks before the July 31st non-waiver trade deadline to make something happen. And then if you don't do it, then shame on you, and I guess you really... Maybe maybe front offices really feel that they know deep down inside it's not their year. I, I don't know. I've never been in front of a, a front office like that. But I know as a fan and, and, a, and a fantasy GM that if I'm if I'm on uh, the other side of the, of the fence, I'm trying to make things happen as soon as possible because I don't want to fall 10 games out of first. I, I don't want to fall 16 games out of first like the Tigers are because uh, in baseball, 16 games is like – 32 games in basketball you just do not come back from that it's just too long of a season it's too drawn out and it's just it's next to impossible two things okay so who do you predict makes those two outcast spots in the nl do you think it's the mets and the dodgers as of right now yes on if i had to say right now i think it'll be oh, this is tough I am going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals because it's the St. Louis Cardinals, and this is it's what they do. They they come back every year. They usually make a smart transaction or two, be it a bullpen or a starting pitcher, and that looks like that's something they may uh, address as well. They just got back Johnny Peralta, who's playing third base. They moved Matt Carpenter to second. They kept they kept Diaz, the uh, the kid shortstop, who's hitting extremely well at short. So they've gotten stronger. There there's still some situations with their outfield. They sent down uh, Randy Grichik and they called up uh, Colton Wong, who was their second baseman to play center but for whatever reason those guys respond to Mike Matheny what a what a manager that's what I'm saying that guy gets people motivated so I definitely think St. Louis the Dodgers I I don't feel as positive about the Dodgers as I have in years past and it's not it doesn't have anything to do with their manager necessarily Dave Roberts uh they're just getting hit with injury after injury uh Kiki Hernandez went on the DL today with the, the oblique strain Clayton Kershaw the best pitcher in the National League went on the deal with back, uh, back, uh, I guess strain you could call it. He got an epidural and it wasn't enough, so he's gonna miss his next two to three starts. Uh, it looks like Jock Peterson, their center fielder, is gonna go on the deal. He ran into the wall the other night in Milwaukee and strained, sprained his wrist. Yasiel Puig ran into the wall the other night and he left the game. He may be going on the deal. You can't have that many injuries uh, in a course of a season and really hope to stay within striking distance. And this is still Andre Ethier who has missed the entire season with a broken leg. Uh, it's just it's too much for anybody to, to, to keep up with. And again, you can't do anything about injuries. They did go out today and trade for Bud Norris, uh, a guy who's got a four-something ERA with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, yes, they didn't give up much for him, but come on. If Bud Norris is the best that you're looking to trade for, then uh, that's it's going to be tough to make the to make the wild card. So I will say St. Louis, and I will say I'm not, I'm not totally convinced on the Mets. It's either the Mets or the Marlins. I think if the Marlins can get Mike's, excuse me, his name used to be Mike Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton, to, to start to hit the way he's he can, I can see the Marlins going to the playoffs. But 
If not, and the, and the Mets can right the ship and pick up a piece or two, I'm going to say it's the Mets or the Marlins to join, uh, to be fighting it out for that last wild card spot to play St. Louis. So there you have it, Mets fans. There's Mike sitting on the fence, waffling. He's not going to give you a straight answer. It's not he's over. just going to say, eh, maybe Mets or Marlins, but he's not going to give you a straight answer yet because he doesn't want to crush your hearts and say it's really gloom and doom. <laughs> but then again, you have to expect it from a guy who's supporting the evil empire. Yeah, buddy. Over. Yeah, buddy. Well, you know what? At least I give you that. I'm trying to give you hope, okay? I'm the same way with the Yankees. I'm not saying the season's over, but I am saying that if there's a move to be made that can benefit us for the long haul, then let's go ahead and make it. Because, again, the time is time is ticking, and that's the only thing you don't get back in a season. It's 162 games, which seems like a lot, but when August comes around, it's the nitty-gritty and, and the cream rises to the top, Mo. Oh, you're absolutely right, but we will never go to Mike again for positive <laughs> Mets news. But at least we know that he's realistic and he will give you what he honestly feels on air. But now we're going to give you a feel-good story with Tim Tebow, and that's up next. The Wrap-Up. So Tim Tebow can do it all. He drinks milk without a stomachache. He prays on the field. He wins football games. He broadcasts. Does a whole host of other things. He'll probably own a church down the line. But he's also very handy when it comes to a person having heart issues on an airplane. Mike, share the story with us that was shared on Facebook about Tim Tebow's heroic prayer and how it turned out well for a guy who's on the plane again having heart issues. Yes, uh, Timmy Tebow was on a Delta flight from Atlanta to Phoenix. Not a short flight by any stretch of imagination, probably, what, four hours? Uh, and according to Facebook, which uh, a post of a passenger, uh, Tebow actually comforted and prayed with a family on a flight after an elderly gentleman actually went unconscious due to an apparent heart attack. Uh, and there's pictures of Tebow praying with the family. And you know what? Uh, I know that people are sick and tired of hearing about Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Why are we sick and tired of hearing about a guy who actually does good things with his life? I get that he didn't make it in the NFL, and if you want to call him a bust, go for it. But he's arguably one of the top ten all-time collegiate football players, like it or not. He's got to be one of the top ten nicest guys I've ever met personally. Why is it that we focus on the negative all the time when it comes to professional athletes Actors, celebrities, people in general, in our lives. Why do we focus on the negative? And yet, when there's somebody who's a young man that's doing so many good things, we want to bash him. I mean, this guy literally got out of his seat, sitting in coach, by the way. Coach, okay? He's got the money. He can sit in first class. Sitting in coach, goes up to a family, sees a man passed out, and does the first thing that comes to his mind, doesn't panic, and tries to comfort a family around him. I mean, who? how many, more pe- how many people do you know would actually do that? I mean, well, well you know, okay, you I, would because you know you're Saint Mo, but but honestly, this guy he he stayed with the man until the plane landed and the guy's pulse came back. So whether you want to say that you know Tebow is God or Jesus Christ reincarnated, whatever the fact, but this guy is a good dude. I mean, I I I, I met the guy on two occasions in Los Angeles. He is humble. He's a little bit of a bro, you know, typical heart. I went to Gainesville, played football bro, but he's a nice dude. He actually remembered my name the second time I saw him, and I didn't even recognize, you know, I wasn't looking for him the second time, and said, hey, Mike, how's it going? So you know what? For somebody to even remember your name, people don't even remember their server's name when you're with them for 45 minutes at a restaurant. 
you know, they'll say, can you get my server? Oh, what's his name? I don't know. Uh, well, okay, this guy, this guy goes above and beyond to be cordial and to make other people around him comfortable. We're so focused on Johnny Manziel and his crap that, we, that people have the audacity to say, oh, I'm sick of Team Tebow. Man, really? Look inside yourself. That's, that's, some, that's some messed up stuff. But you know what? Thank goodness there are people like Tebow that still give hope. Whether you agree with him or not, you, know, you, it's, you can't argue that this guy is, is a genuine, genuinely nice guy. Did you did you guys slam down a couple of milks together, some juice boxes at the bar or something? Because you you are high on this guy. I'm high on him too. You know, I like to hear I, don't, I like to hear good stories like this yeah. too. Yeah. We always hear about the bad, you know, players speeding or you know domestic abuse and all of this stuff. It's good to hear the Tim Tebow stories, but why can't we give credit to the people of Delta Airlines? People are missing yeah. that. I mean, th- their staff was was pretty much on the spot, and Tebow, of course, gave his prayer, but. The Delta Airlines people, the employees, actually had a part in this too, and I believe that people are missing that portion of the story. And because we expect this from a guy like Tebow, we already know his history. And you say, why do we bash Tebow? It's the same when you were in school, Mike. Remember in school, and you had that one kid who would give like the apple to the teacher, and he was really good. He would fold his hands, and he'd sit in the front, or she. And and we just we just bashed it because we're like why why are you being so nice why are you being so perfect people are jealous of that I am not I, again I like to hear these stories because it's good yeah. for the NFL being even though he's not an active NFL player right now he's still associated with football sure so it's it's a good thing to put on over all of these negative things that we hear in the off season and before a training camp but again I I applaud Tebow I would like to have a glass of milk with him one day I wasn't <laughs> as lucky as you. But you did mention Johnny Menzel yeah. and all his crap. Uh, Johnny Menzel said that he's going to sober up by July 1st Tomorrow. and work on his life and his career. So I wish Johnny Menzel the best. Yeah. You talk about all the negative stuff and what people have to say about Johnny Menzel. I'm out here wishing him the best. So for me, Mo in Brooklyn, Johnny Menzel, I hope you get your life together. I hope you stop all of this nonsense, the hit and runs, the girlfriend incident, the trashing of the hotel, and I hope you get back to where you need to be in life. Not necessarily in the NFL, because I think you're a marginal quarterback. That's not a shot. That's the truth. But I hope you actually get your life together together because your dad is worried about you. He called you a druggie, and he may be right about it. He failed. Johnny Menzel failed, obviously, a drug test. The NFL suspended him four games. So if a team does take a chance on him and decides to sign him, he will have to serve a four-game suspension before he hits the field, and that probably won't happen. But again, the moral of the story is good luck to Johnny Menzel. Tebow, I already know you're straight, so you continue to do well. What I would suggest is maybe Tebow and Johnny Benzel can get together. You took my you took my segment. I was going with it, though. I was going with that next. They could get together and Tebow can fix Johnny Benzel and together they can work out and they can both make the NFL again on the roster. Maybe not as starters, but they could be pretty decent backups. And make a comeback. It will be the greatest story in NFL history. Tebow and Menzel together as a unit, as a duo, just like me and Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I think it would be a fantastic idea, a feel-good story. I, I would write the script and sell it to Disney, and uh, we'd all be millionaires, and then we can go do some uh, good work around the world. I think it would be a very good thing. I uh, do hope Johnny Menzel gets it together. July 1st is you know a couple hours away. I hope, he, I hope he's truthful. I, I hope Johnny Manziel gets away from the people that he's currently associated with. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, you're a victim of your circumstances and, you know, uh, being around positivity. And I don't know his I don't know his total story, 
but whomever he's with is enabling him right now. So, uh, hey, if Tim Tebow can get to this guy and help him out, I'm all for it because you don't want to see anybody go through addiction, uh, especially at the level he's at, because the only step after addiction, if it's a negative one, is death. Um, And we don't want that for anyone, especially a young man who has his entire life ahead of him. Uh, It's just it's a horrible thing. And and addiction is something that, you know, if you've never been around someone that has experienced it, it's kind of hard to put into to words. It's just it's kind of it's something that just doesn't it doesn't cure itself overnight. It takes time. And that's why Johnny Manziel's dad said that, you know, he'd be okay with his son going to jail because jail is a better alternative than death. And and I agree with that. I mean, honestly, you know, some some guys some guys just need that. They just need a, a strict way of life, a pattern. And if that works for him, great. But whatever it's going to take to this point, um, you know, forget football. And for anybody that just wants to write a person off like Johnny Manziel or anyone dealing with uh, demons in their life, that's that's too bad. And again, focus on the negative. Everybody wants to talk about, look at Johnny Menzel, look at him, you know, he's in Cabo wearing a Josh Gordon shirt, you know, being a jerk. Well, why don't we try to get Johnny Menzel some help? And I feel like that's what his father was trying to do. Maybe he didn't go about it the best way, you know, saying your son is a druggie, but maybe he's also out of options and he's going to he's doing anything he possibly can i'm not a father i don't know what it's like to have a to have a child like that but i can only imagine it's the worst possible thing in the world well the sad thing is he did johnny menzel's dad did say that he checked him into a rehab facility and johnny menzel quote unquote escaped i don't know what it means but i guess he just didn't attend it but his father has exhausted his options and tried to get his son right and it just hasn't happened again even if it's not somebody like a Tebow, Johnny Menzel, first of all, he needs to get himself around the right crowd of people and then start making better decisions with his life and NFL, that comes after. But just getting your your daily together, that's the main point. Hopefully he gets all his legal issues straightened out and then he, he lives a very productive life doing whatever he's doing, whether it's NFL or off the field. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very true. And, um, me, you, Team Tebow, and Johnny Manziel, we can kick it any time of the week. So you guys just name the place and the date, and um, I'll bring the fajitas. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was getting ready to say that. You read my mind. I was going to say we can all just have a yoo together at the bar. Hey, I'm down. You know, New York or Orlando or wherever we want to meet and just and just talk about life and talk about radio and yep. what we want to do in life. Yep. I mean, you will be great. We don't need alcohol. We don't need a vodka or wine or anything. We just... Have a non-alcoholic chocolate milk. I like How about? it. And remember, like we always say at the Mike and Mo Show, without life there is no sports. So somebody should tell Johnny Manziel that because, you know, if he ever has dreams of ever getting his life right, um, sports should be the furthest thing out of his mind. But again, if he wants to use it as a goal, aspiration, something to help him fight those demons, why not? All for it. Uh, word just came through that the uh, Dallas Mavericks have no chance in hell of re-signing Chandler Parsons. Not exactly in those words, but that is what's coming up through Bleacher Report as well. So, Mo, uh, maybe my uh, Brooklyn Nets uh, prediction could be true. Yes, I guess I'm all for one on that one. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened between Dallas and Chandler Parsons. Show me the money. He's, no your boy. After read the reports. Uh, I, I told you, your boy's money hungry. He's all about them dollar bills, which is fine. Those Orlando people, you got to watch. Hey, I'm, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take some money out your pocket if you're not watching. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I don't think he winds up in Brooklyn, though. I think he, I think he goes to a team that's either midway or a possible contender i don't see him going to a milwaukee he's all about the dollars but i just i I don't see why brooklyn would want him because it's not like if you're going to pay a guy like that a lot of money you want him to be a complete game changer he's not a game changer he's going to be i see him like a a better shooter than harrison barnes yeah 
but just a little more wild off the court. Yeah. But he's not that guy you want to shut out cash for and think he's going to change your, your franchise. We're going to try to get uh, Chandler Parsons on the show next week since he is from Winter Springs and I'm in Oviedo, which is about four minutes away from here. So uh, I'm going to do my best. Uh, if anybody knows of Chandler Parsons' whereabouts, shoot me a holla down on Twitter. Uh, that's at Mike and Mo Show. Mike and A-N-D Mo Show. Also on Facebook, Mike and Mo Show. Uh, we're actually going to be telling you this week all the different directories of podcasts we were on. It's actually about 10 now. The show is uh, it's starting to um, broaden. So not only can you get us on iTunes, you can get us on Google Play, Stitcher, Blurberry, um, uh, FP, music player i mean you name it we're pretty much on it so just look for mike and mo show in your search bar no matter what podcast directory what website you frequent uh check it out and of course go on itunes rate review the show share it with your friends we even put out a survey this week because we care so much about you guys the listeners like laura we dedicated an entire segment to laura because she is a loyal listener even though she likes a terrible team in Indiana, we still care about her. Even though she pronounces her name Laura and not Laura, we still care. So, Laura, right. thank you. Thank you so much. But, yeah, go out, fill out the survey. Um, tell, us, tell us what you like about the show, what you don't, and just have some fun with it. And, again, we're doing this for you. Um, Mo, Mo doesn't feel the same way, but, for, but I do because I'm all about the people. I'm all about Cleveland, Ohio. Stop it. Mike, first of all, Mike is not about the little guy. Mike comes from New York. He went to LA and now he's in Orlando as a poser. Posers. Mike poser. All about the people. Take a I pill and a pizza. Because I live on the on the borderline of Williamsburg and Bed Stuy. We know. I know. I live on the border of two completely different type of neighborhoods. So I know what it's like to be on both sides, so I get both sides. I, I serve the people all the time. So the don't let Mike try to taint Take perception of me because if we had callers, Laura will probably call you up and kick you out because she didn't like the way you pronounced her name. Laura, don't worry, I got Laura. it. I'll handle my seat. Don't worry about the rest. But yeah. if we have callers, I, I would assume she'd be the first one up to correct you on it. Yeah, that was actually one of the uh, the survey questions. What can we do to improve improve the show? And um, and these are all anonymous. We don't know who they come from. And that's what one person said. Have callers. So that's something we're going to begin to work on. But again, if we do that, we actually need callers. So because we posted questions on Twitter and we need people to respond, and it's just not enough for a full segment. Again, we want the listeners to get involved you guys do it on major shows all over the country just because we're not signed up with a big network yet doesn't mean we don't want your input we do we would love to debate we do it in our articles for empire writes back on fansided we will we will debate you till the cows come home we will not we will not respond to your negativity or crap that you like to throw at us but if you want to have a a real debate about something, go for it. That's what we're doing on this show. We're keeping it alive. We're talking sports. We're talking life. Uh, we're combining the two, and, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. And hopefully, your day is brightened up by what we do here at the Mike and Mo Show. Other than that, Mo, anything else? Before we go off air, Mike, tell them where you're going to be starting July 1st, because I'm very proud of Mike. He's oh, coming to the ring very quickly, and even though he's doing it for the wrong team i'm still very proud well it's the wrong team in mo's idea but the best team in the world for me i have uh, moved over to uh the yanks right back which is another um another fan site blog site on on fan sided uh yeah it was it was kind of a quick transition but i will be the co-editor or co-site expert whatever you want to um call it uh at at the yanks right back which is amazing to me it's a great opportunity I, again i thank mo wholeheartedly because he got me involved with this entire company um and and they work really well they work great 
great. So I will no longer be with the, um, the Orlando Magic daily. Uh, you know, had some good times over there. I love talking NBA. But again, it opens me up to uh, to talk Yankees, which is my passion. It, it keeps me available to write for Empire Writes Back, which is uh, the fantastic site edited by Mo and company. They do wonderful work over there. And uh, yeah, we're just going to keep the conversation alive. And uh, if you like what we do, let us know. If you don't, let us know, but let us know in a way that we actually, uh, you know, is nice to the human race, okay? That's all I have to say. No, uh, no, no negativity. It's a negativity-free zone. They grow up so fast. Uh, yeah. You were just getting ready to, you were just writing simple articles at one point, and now you're yeah. an editor. They grow, they uh, really do grow up fast. By next week, I'm going to own the company. I can't wait. <laughs> but that's where we're going to end it off today. Uh, if you're like me, you're going to be up around midnight waiting to see where these players think they're going to sign or if they're going to pull DeAndre Jordan and Ooh. nix the next team for another squad. But we'll see what happens. Remember, 1201 midnight players can negotiate and we'll see what happens with the Knicks going forward yes and if you're on any one of those social media platforms let us know where you think these players are going you know we went through the list where are these guys going to go where do you want to see them go let's see how many Mo gets right how many more I get right we'll put the tally to the test next week we'll have a little bit of fun with it and we will be Right at the All-Star break, give or take by a couple of days, we'll be talking uh, All-Star rosters, who got snubbed, who is there and deserves it. We'll talk a little home run derby. Uh, and again, the baseball trade deadline is approaching fast and furious. So uh, we'll be well, the content is coming hard and heavy. We love it. NFL gets a little bit closer. Samoa is starting to salivate. I can, I can feel it over the internet. It's going to be great. But until next week, I'm Mike. He's Mo. This is episode 20 of the Mike and Mo Show. We'll catch you on the flip.